Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're new to the Steel Wars podcast, please hit subscribe in your podcast app of choice. And enjoy previous one-on-one interviews with the likes of Ray Park, Sam Witwer, and Director Krenlick himself, Ben Mendelsohn. Or take in our hilarious 2019 Star Wars News Prediction Show with Courtney Everett, Riley Silverman and Bart Freebarn. And stay tuned for our wall-to-wall coverage of Star Wars Celebration Chicago. Thanks so much. Imagine going your entire life without watching a single Star Wars film and then watching the entire saga in a week concluding with a cinema screening of the just-released The Last Jedi. After reading Hammy's Confessions of a Brand New Star Wars Fan Twitter thread highlighting her often hilarious first impressions of the films and its characters, I really wanted to know how the experience would give her a unique perspective on how the films fit together without the often rose-coloured filter of childhood memories. And uh, this is my favourite. And who's this dude telling Darth what to do? Dislike. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think anyone has ever called the Emperor that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I didn't know. So obviously I knew Vader was so important to everyone. He was He's the villain. He's everybody's, you know, favorite character, if not favorite character personally, just, you know, he's just a great villain. He's been lauded as his villain. And then this dude shows up and I'm like, who is he? What is, like, why is Vader listening to him? I was so confused. I was like, this is the villain that everybody was talking about, but then there's this guy telling him what to do. So it was confusing for a minute. In a really fun chat about all things Star Wars, Hammy talks about what prompted her dipping her toe into the Star Wars universe and how she jumped into fandom headfirst soon after. This is Steel Wars episode 195, Confessions of a Brand New Star Wars Fan. Hey you guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I'm comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And each week we talk to someone of interest about it. This week's guest, I'm very excited to have on because I always appreciate a new perspective on Star Wars, these weird movies that we uh, ignore the fact that there's some one-eyed snake in a trash compactor in a giant space station that just blew up a planet. These things just pass us by. But for new people, they have to accept that as fully grown, inverted commas, adults and that's exactly what this week's guest had to do welcome to the podcast hammy how you doing buddy hi steel hi everyone (laughs) everyone just doesn't talk back they're a bit they're a bit standoffish they're they're intimidated by you (laughs) now i came across you hammy when you posted up a tweet that got oh it got got a little bit of traction i see uh 47 retweets 391 likes that's some good stats and it was confessions of a brand new star wars fan 
One year ago, I decided to watch all of Star Wars for the first time in my life, knowing almost nothing about it. And then you inserted in the thread some very amusing thoughts that you had that you texted to your best friend. Now, we always ask this question. You might have a slightly different answer. I'm not sure. But what what was your first memory of Star Wars? I would say probably my friends and my family members being into it my entire life and me not being into it. I know that probably sounds horrible since I'm now such a hardcore fan, but I would always hear references and I would just kind of ignore them until this past year when I fully immersed myself in the world. So what were you into? Were you into anything? Yeah, yeah. I was pretty strongly in the Harry Potter fandom growing up. Um, so that was my main outlet when I was younger. My main geekdom was in that fandom. So yeah. it's now transferred over to Star Wars. Yeah, I always get – I find it very weird when people are into nothing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like not even like fantasy stuff or sci-fi or like, you know, whether it's like – you know, they follow baseball or Mm -hmm. they like following technology or something like that. But when people are sort of just like not, they don't have that. Cause I sort of, you know, like the word nerd, I kind of feel like everyone should be a nerd about one thing, whether it's about kites or surfing or NFL or wizards Right. We're all just searching for meaning in life and we find it in different places. Yeah. I agree with that. Like we all should be so into stuff that we talk about it and bore other people with it. Yeah. That's our right as people. Very true. (laughs) You're ignoring these references and your friends and family, which (laughs) really good attitude, (laughs) Hammy. I just ignore my friends and family. No, no, no. They were never trying to convert me. Everyone would just, you know, they would, I would just hear it in passing, you know, it was never, um, like they were trying to get me to watch them or anything like that. It would, they would just like them themselves, the movies. I I would say they were probably casual fans, you know, just how probably the majority of the audience is. Um, but they were just casual fans. So I would just hear the references and that's it. So what movie do you remember being like a, like aware of coming out like what era were you sort of aware of star wars and you know like attack of the clones is at the cinema but i'm going to see matrix reloaded or whatever what <laughs> like where- um right it was the prequels it was definitely the prequels um i'm i, I guess i would say I, i'm the millennial generation and that tends to be the generation that loves the prequels so it was definitely the prequels that i remember the posters for um my friends you know getting excited to go and see it and um yeah it was definitely the prequels that i was kind of most aware of star wars and so the phantom menace i'm not sure how old you were for that one but it was a worldwide phenomenon like i i think I, I don't know what it was but there was some outrageous number of like money lost in america financially by people cutting work that day like it was <laughs> like you know like billion dollars or hundreds of million dollars of productivity lost because people called in sick to go see yeah. the phantom menace but so the world is just star wars crazy and what was your view on it? Like, and, and what made you not be tempted to go see it? 
I think maybe because that was also it was 99. Right. So I think the first Harry Potter movie came out in 2001, 2000. Um, I was reading the books by 99 and 2000. So I think I just was in different things into different things. I I always liked sci fi and fantasy, but um, I just didn't get into it then. And I think also because a lot of people it's really cool now being an actual hardcore Star Wars fan. It's cool now for me to gather information from everyone of when they joined the fandom. Mm -hmm. Um, And often it's through their families, right? Um, Usually they have someone in their family who grew up during the original trilogy and then they were able to pass it down. But since I'm, um, my parents are immigrants, they wouldn't have been able to pass that down to me. So it's been, I I would just hear about it. And then um, I didn't have someone to sit there and actually, you know, guide me through the process of becoming a Star Wars fan until this past year. So... Gotcha. So you didn't have like your parents weren't like, "Come on, Hammy, this is your <laughs> this is your time." No, in fact, they were probably like, "Our daughter is such a nerd for other things, it's not necessarily <laughs> Star Wars." I think they were kind of mind boggled by how much of a nerd I was. But um, yeah, it just was it just wasn't my choice um, then. Okay, it, it's I- interesting how you know you, you very astutely, you know point out how people get into star wars and quite often it's through their families it's weird there's this conspiracy theory that like lucasfilm want to abandon all the old fans for young people when if you are strategizing that hard and you're thinking about demographics you would also have to realize the easiest way to get to those new fans is like through their parents that's Mm-hmm. that's the easiest gateway drug is to no, it definitely is. I mean, now that I'm obsessed with it, I for sure would want to pass it on to my children. And I, I think it's very cool. It's really cool for me to see now um, parents who grew up with it, giving it and passing it down to their children. And they're not, um, you know, they don't, maybe there's this misconception that people hold the original trilogy to such a, such a high pedestal. But from what I've seen, parents are just happy that the kids like the world, whether it's through, you know, Clone Wars or Resistance, however they get into the world, they're just happy that their kids are love it also. So it's cool for me as a new fan to see how everybody got into it. And Yeah, because it's, I think, like I think about this all the time now, for some reason, I'm not sure why, but it's so cool to have something that you can share, you know, with, your son or daughter. Like I, I look at, you know, the paralysis, the, the, the Star Wars rebel family and, mm-hmm. you know, they're off, like they're going to Star Wars celebration together and it's, mm-hmm. it's something they can all share, which is, which is really cool. But for you, it should be your family's tradition that you don't let any of your kids watch a Star Wars film until they're like in their twenties or something, because that's, <laughs> that's how we do it. Abstinence. <laughs> Yeah, that I I feel like I probably won't be able to hold back on that though. <laughs> <laughs> now, what did you know about Star Wars before you watched it? Like what did you glean from all these posters? What was like in your head? Did you have an idea of what the story of Star Wars was? Okay, so so there's probably the two periods, right? The prequels era, that was when um, all of my friends in high school, you know, were also getting into, you know, were already into Star Wars from the original trilogy, probably from their parents. And they were all so excited to see the prequels. And so that was one part where I kind of knew some things like I knew, you know, I knew what the poster looked like. I knew suddenly there were younger characters, but I didn't know how they connected back 
to the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then now more recently, um, with the sequel trilogy, um, my nephew, who's four years old, he is obsessed with Star Wars. So every Christmas I would kind of tease him, um, about how little Star Wars knowledge I knew, um, just to annoy him. I would, you know, pick up Yoda and be like, is this Darth Vader? And he would be like, no, no. And I was like, that's horrible. That's horrible to do to any Star Wars fan, especially a young one, but he would laugh it off and then try and teach me about it and stuff. So then finally I was like, I got, I got to see what's going on with this. So then that was what finally got me to um, sit down and watch them all. Imagine being a four-year-old and just realizing your auntie's a dick. (laughs) (laughs) He's never forgiven me. (laughs) And now the prodigal aunties come back. Yeah, no, Star Wars. Buying him Star Wars gear um, this past Christmas, I bought so much, and I was more excited for him. I got um, you know a little BB-8 hoodie for him, and he was like, "Really? Now, now you're into it?" So uh-huh. I need to get him on the podcast. I like yeah, his, the door. I like his moxie. <laughs> what, was there any like strange like story points that you you know you'd maybe seen a clip of or a reference to on The Simpsons that you were, were way off base, or maybe you you nailed exactly what went on? Um, the, I mean, I think everybody probably is exposed to the, I am your father mm-hmm. you know, reference. I think that's probably the biggest reveal or, um, plot point that everybody knows. So I think that, you know, it would get parodied over and over on TV shows, movies, all of that kind of stuff. So I just, you know, I knew that part going into it. Um, but other than that, I did, I, yeah, I really, I really was a blank slate. Um, I think that's why when I posted the tweets, you know, I just wanted people to know that I, I do love the, the world, but I really didn't know very much going into it. When you watched Star Wars and Empire and was was that I am your father like in your mind or when it happened it sort of reminded you of it? Um I didn't know that it was it happened in Empire Strikes Back. Um I did I don't even think I kind of knew that it was coming up or anything like that. So it was still a little bit of a surprise, um, a little bit of a shock. Um, but then it was more excitement because now I could finally, you know, make pop culture references with everyone else. I think as slowly as I gained information, that's how it felt. I was more just excited to finally, you know, understand all the memes, especially with the prequels, um, understand all the gifts, um, all of that. So <laughs> I love understanding understanding gifts star wars is is giving me a greater understanding of gifts <laughs> it's given me a lot i don't want to you know i don't want to say that i'm not as into the fandom because i am i'm completely 100 percent into it but at the time when i was first watching um that was all i was kind of getting from <laughs> uh you get you finally understand what hello there means yeah, yeah. I was so many, so many. The I hate sand thing. Um, I remember that going around and, you know, not understanding it. So it, it's great. It's hilarious. Now, what flicked the switch? What got you to watch? So um, I think my, my friends kept kind of telling me, um, oh, I think you would like it. You like fantasy. You like you know, sci-fi, just try it. And so I think I had tried a couple times to watch A New Hope. Um, and for whatever reason, I just didn't keep watching it or I didn't finish it. Um, and so How then I know, I know it's so bad though. I know, especially if anyone goes back and reads those, uh, those original texts from the very first movie, it's bad. <laughs> I was not very into it at all. <laughs> and then by the end of the original trilogy, I was completely on board and all about it but um but yeah so i i think i might have tried maybe two times to watch it and it just didn't happen and then it um it actually was a sequel trilogy the um my best friend kushbu she texted me right after she got out of force awakens and she said i really think you need to try this you need to like go 
you know, take some time, watch these movies, figure it out. And as, as you know, as someone does with their best friend, I ignored her advice for a year. <laughs> and then when The Last Jedi came out, um, my cable provider had all of the first six movies, you know, the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy for free, you know, to, I guess to encourage people to go see The Last Jedi. Uh-huh. Um, so then I just sat there and I binged it all. Um, I, binged, I started December 27th and I, fin- I went to see The Last Jedi on January 3rd of last year of 2017. So I saw all of the movies in about a week. And then I fell off, fell into the fandom completely. I listened to your podcast, you know, others, um, other podcasts, other YouTube channels. um, And then in that was January when I started when I saw The Last Jedi. And then in February, I made the Twitter account. And now I have like so many followers. (laughs) I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) I completely fell off the deep end and fell in love with it. I, I do have to say, whenever I message someone that I don't know, I just sometimes occasionally will see something that interests me on Twitter and I'm like, I want to talk to this person on the podcast. And I'll sort of say, oh, hey, I do a podcast. It's called Steel Wars. And yeah, like I sort of go into this real shy mode. Oh. (laughs) And then when people go, oh, yeah, I've heard your podcast. I am like, I should film my reaction of just like, so when you said you'd listen to the podcast, I was... um, I was I was quite uh, flattered. So thanks, Hanny. I appreciate your support on that one. Oh yeah, and um, it was great because you're um, you're so positive. It was such a good thing to for a new fan. It was such a good thing to experience that right when I was trying to find as much information as possible. Um, even on YouTube, um, Alex from Star Wars Explained. I found his channel right away. Um, I found Coffee with Kenobi, um, and then again, again your podcast. And it was just. It was like a warm hug to have all of you <laughs> teach me about Star Wars. Um, my my, I, This is early, but my Twitter handle is Balanced Padawan. And the reason I wanted that was because I felt like a Padawan coming into this, you know, fresh, not knowing anything. You know, I don't know about the dark side. I don't know about the light side. And it was great <laughs> to have you guys be my my Jedi mentors in teaching me <laughs> nice. whether you knew it or not. So, Well, I think in Star Wars fandom, we should all all take on the role of the Padawan. And uh, and listen and learn. I think it's uh, I, I that's what I do on the podcast. It's what you're here to teach me, which mm-hmm. is um, very interesting. Now, my friend Kate, one of my best friends in the whole wide world, when Revenge of the Sith was about to come out, and I was, I'm a sucker. I'm very gullible. I believe all of George Lucas's lies, and he's one of my favorite liars <laughs> because whenever he lies, good things happen. And I fully thought, without a shadow of a doubt, that Revenge of the Sith would be the last Star Wars film ever made. (laughs) And I said to my friend Kate, you know, like, she'd never seen a Star Wars film. And I'm like, oh, hey, like this, you'll never, there'll be never another experience in a cinema like this. Like there'll be never another film franchise that has that atmosphere on opening night. Like, this is, you'll never get to experience this. Like, this is it. This is the last Mm -hmm. chance. And so two weeks before Revenge of the Sith came out, she came around and crammed, like, original trilogy and then the prequel trilogy and then the next weekend or the next, you know, Thursday night. It would have been a Wednesday night in Australia. At midnight, we went to the premiere. And it was so cute because after two weeks of cramming, there was a remote-controlled R2-D2 going around, like a full-size one, like mm-hmm. you know, like a, boy, a droid builder one. And she was like, oh, my God, there's R2-D2. And she got a photo and she's like a total like fanning out. 
And I, I just love how quickly you can be enveloped in to the magic of the films. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny that I tricked her into going to see the film unknowingly. And she's actually then gone to all the midnight premieres for, for the new films with me and stuff. So, Oh, that's so awesome. That's wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, that, that midnight or that opening night in Australia, it's always midnight, but you know, I know in America they have these weird seven thirty day before showings. Um, now they do. I mean, back, back in the day, as if it's back in the day, but back in the day for Harry Potter movies, you would have to go at midnight also. Ah, but okay, cool. Na- now they started adding, I think Thursday show times. So yeah, I love, there's nothing better than a midnight screening. Like I, and, and even like having the seven thirty the night before mm-hmm. there's something about it. I like the midnight one cause it's dumber. Like it's a wackier thing to do. It do really I, is. Yeah. Like I, I enjoy the, like, you know, at midnight that whoever's in the cinema is like as crazy as you. Like, yeah, you that's feel... what it is. They, they had to decide sleep is not important. This fandom is, and they showed up and did it. I, I'll be sad not to. I think probably for episode nine, I'll have to see it on the Thursday night showing. Um, we did Thursday for Solo. Um, that was after, obviously, I was a big Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, yeah, we did Thursday for Solo, and it was still cool. It was still a cool experience to be at a sold out theater. Uh, but nothing is quite as magical as midnight. I agree with that. <laughs> when the clock strikes 12. <laughs> Now, let's get to this Twitter feed and we'll go through the tweets and sort of expand on your memories or feelings. Now, uh, you've got a disclaimer here. I'm now obsessed and in love with all of Star Wars, every character, every quirk. Please take this for the joke. It is from someone with no knowledge or any fan discourse. I'm interested with this. I often... I the the seriousness that some people take the the saga. How, how have you found that? Like you know, when you when you have to apologize or In make advance. a disclaimer at the start, and <laughs> like how, how have you found that that what well, what like well, what, what like glad, how people? I'm glad have, you asked. I'm glad you asked as a fan who decided to join Star Wars. You know right after The Last Jedi, at the most, <laughs> at the most de- divisive point, probably that some people say is divisive, but we'll see if it's really that divisive. But I'm glad you asked because it was a shock um, to come into the fandom at that point. Um, but I mean, when you love something, um, I don't know, it's, it's hard to stay away. And then I also see the love other people have for it. If I see if I see something, cause I am a new fan, I, maybe I'm more accepting of it, of what other people are telling me. And, um, okay, they've had this for, you know, 40 years. I've been here a month, two months, six months now, a year. Maybe they have some deep connection with it that I'm not understanding that has their own perspective and they are doing it out of love too. I have to give everybody the benefit of the doubt that they're doing it out of love for the fandom too, if they don't like something or if they are angry. But be that as it may, when I posted all these tweets, um, this was a year after, you know, getting into arguments with people on Twitter, you know, all of that. A year later, I still had to make sure I put the disclaimer just so people know how fresh I was, how I literally didn't know, Mm. you know, I knew Chewbacca, maybe, you know, I didn't. (laughs) That's it. Well, you knew Darth Vader. I mean, Yoda. Yeah, yeah. I knew Darth Vader. Um, Obviously, I think everybody knows him. Um, And then I knew Luke and... 
but I didn't know what would happen with Luke. I didn't know, you know, I knew they, they were obviously father and son, but that's it. I didn't know anything about Han Solo. I just knew the name. That's it. All righty. Let's go. A new hope. Now you say original trilogy fans. I'm sorry. We're starting harshly, but I know that eight movies later, I was filled with the same nostalgia you have and would fight anyone who says a word against them. Uh, also my bad to Marvel stands as well. I'll watch your movies one day to make up for this. I oh, so you haven't seen the MCU yet. No, uh, the last, this is so bad. I don't, you, your listeners are all going to sign off. Please don't. It's very, I'm, but I saw Iron Man one and that's it. And then this past, I think, you know, over the past two years, I think I've seen Black Panther and Star, Spider-Man Homecoming and that's it. That, those are the only Marvel movies I've seen. Yeah. Are they like, I enjoy them, but I there's something different about Star Wars. I think, I think that, I think that also maybe kind of hurt my friends who are into both. Um, they, they couldn't believe they had been trying to get me to watch all of the Marvel movies actually. Um, probably in 2017, I think they were all just, you know, sit down, just watch them all. You know, you need to be ready for infinity war. So they were trying to get me to do that. And then suddenly star Wars came into my life and I was like, what? I can't deal with anything else. This I have to, there's so much, there's 40 years of knowledge I need to gain. I need to just be immersed into this world. So I think that I'm, I'm glad fate sh- showed me star Wars and that's yeah. what happened. Yeah. I, I- I've never really thought about it, but like Star Wars is more like Harry Potter than the MCU. Well, I mean, not to get too philosophical, but yeah, I mean, I think that probably would have convinced me to start watching earlier if people had, um, if my friends had mentioned, um, even afterwards, I was so angry. I was like, why didn't you guys tell me it was similar to Harry Potter? Um, The whole Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. um, Harry goes through the same thing that Luke does. I'm, you know, Harry, there's so many references in Harry Potter that tie that I'm sure J.K. Rowling had influences from George Lucas. I mean, it's hard for anybody creating a fantasy work now to not take inspiration from yeah. him. So um, I think if maybe they had said, oh, you know, the force is there, um, you know, it's a discussion about political turmoil um, and how characters react to that. If all of that had kind of been at the forefront instead of um, just saying that they liked it, I think maybe that would have gotten me to start watching sooner. I like that you got, angry at your friends and family that you avoided one of the biggest things in pop culture for your whole life. Whatever. All right. So let's go to the, uh, a new hope tweets or so these are things you texted your friend. Yes. So, um, so just for a little bit of context, um, yeah, like I said, I, I watched all six movies and so this is my best friend who I've known, um, 15 years, maybe mm-hmm. longer. Um, so I'm literally just texting her as I'm watching everything. And so these texts, uh, you text these thoughts before you watch the next movie? Um, sometimes I would type it out. I would, t- um, because we're always texting back and forth. So I would type things out in my notes app um, as I'm watching and then just things I would want to tell her. Um, and then, uh, yeah, probably after the movie's over or sometimes even during, I would just like send, it, send her the text. Okay, what but, but what I mean, when, when you're writing this, you haven't seen the next movie that's coming yet. No, so it's, no, no. Okay, I great. have no idea. This is, each each um, text is from the moment that I'm watching that All movie right. and I have not gotten further. So the data is pure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you say, by, by the way, BTW, that's how the kids talk. I... <laughs> I'm not even that young, Steel. You're, make, <laughs> you're making me sound like, like I'm 18 or something, but I'm not. <laughs> BTW, uh, I finally watched Star Wars A New Hope. Only eight more movies to go. Lol, lol. And then you say, it was okay. 
Smiley face crying, smiley face crying, smiley face crying. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> if I'm being honest, it felt like when everyone forces me to watch a Marvel movie, lol, found myself zoning out and not 100% invested. And I actually think that if it wasn't hyped up and wasn't the first big sci-fi success, people probably would think this was just another action movie. Even the way they beat the Death Star was kind of hard to buy. I'm so embarrassed. I I can't even, (laughs) you know, I asked everyone on Twitter. um, I showed a couple people the tweets. um, So since I watched all the movies, that was in January after I saw The Last Jedi. um, I've made all these close friends on Twitter who are, you know, hardcore Star Wars fans. And so um, we've been talking, we've been reading the books together. We have group chats together. We have movie nights where we watch them online. Um, So these are people I trust in the fandom. And I, I sent a couple texts to those friends and I said, I don't know about posting this, but I want to do something to celebrate one year of Star Wars. And this is probably one of the worst texts that I was like, I don't know if I should expose myself to ridicule and show how innocent I was. Cause I think, um, as a fan, you kind of want to one up each other with your knowledge. And this was me, you know, people had thought for a whole year that I was this hardcore Star Wars fan. And now here I am being like, no, I'm just, I'm a new fan. And I loved it so much that I fell in love and started getting as deep into it as I could. So, so this one was, was, is hard for me to see back again. Yeah. It's, it's, you make an interesting point. So like people would probably think this is just another action movie if it wasn't like the big first big sci-fi success, because I was um, chatting to someone on Twitter the other day and their contention was that if the force awakens or the last Jedi was the first movie, you know, the Star Wars franchise wouldn't have been a success. And I was like, well, none of them. The only one that would have made it a success was A New Hope and as if it came out in the late 70s. And mm-hmm. if 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 it wasn't that film and if it wasn't that time, then, you know, it's sort of like a wildfire starting and you had to right. have, you know, the, the, the hot conditions and, and the dry, like, countryside and then, you know, a certain wind and whatever, and it all, you know, lights up and it turns into a, a giant fire, which is probably um, a miserable metaphor. But No, that's perfect. That, that's, what, that's what it seems like to me since I wasn't, you know, there for that release. But and it, it definitely feels that way. Yeah, because like, you know, like America had gone through sort of like, a, you know, a bit of a dark time in the 70s and, and a lot of the films like Taxi Driver and stuff like that like reflected – that outlook and Mm -hmm. you know there was like vietnam and 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 i guess watergate a bit earlier than that and like star wars sort of gave people a chance to like enjoy themselves and celebrate and have a clear hero and vanquish an enemy and you know then you had that along with like the soundtrack and the effects and you know Harrison Ford and Luke and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher's like charisma. And then you had Alec Guinness adding some cred and then you had the draw, like it all, it just was like, it's almost impossible that it came out and was successful. And I, I think from seeing um, behind the scenes stuff after the fact, it seems like people were doubting George Lucas, right? They were doubting the, that it could be a success and all of that. So it's, really, I mean, admirable that he was able to pull it off. And I think probably also the, like you said, the themes, um, the themes of hope and love and redemption and all that, all that stuff 
that is in the original trilogy, it lays the foundation for the movies that come after it. So I think it's understandable to think, or it's easy to say that the prequels wouldn't have you know, worked and the sequel trilogy wouldn't have worked and all of that. But I think that kind of has to be wrong because everything that's coming afterwards builds on something that came before it. So he was taking influences from people and it just all worked magically. So we just have to be happy that it did. Yeah. Well, people that thought it was going to be a success are the outliers. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I, I'm pretty sure in the making of Star Wars book, it is by uh, J.W. Rinsler. And it's been mentioned in other places, but the, you know, the crew in London were just like, had an open disdain. They, they just thought it was going to be, this is the worst film ever. And mm-hmm. it was sort of like, you know, like people like Alan Ladd who worked for 20th Century Fox that sort of like, oh, if this works out, this is going to be the greatest film of all time. Uh, I'm so, so glad he thought that. I'm so grateful. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, uh, so it, it is interesting that, because I'm sort of always like, is, I saw it like, it's the best film ever, but is it that good? Or is it? The... According to me a year ago, apparently not. Yeah, that's no. what I mean. Like it's, you sort of have to be enveloped in it or watch it at the right time to ignore. Like it's so radically goofy. In, it really is. In the it, best way. It, it's amazing. Um, we'll, we're cheating and getting a little ahead of ourselves if I say it, but by the time I got to Return of the Jedi, I was completely on board. I was like, give me all the camp. Give me all the goofiness. I'm ready for it. So it, so I think it, that definitely makes sense. <laughs> now, um, your, your text continues. I'm going to keep watching, though, because I liked Luke and Darth Vader, and I know we'll get a lot more of them. <laughs> You'll be seeing those guys again, those, those cheeky <laughs> oh, no. characters. I'm so innocent. <laughs> Fave scene was seeing the twin sons of Tatooine and then in brackets, also damned to seeing the aunt and uncle's burned bodies. <laughs> That's really strange because I'm not sure if it was like the TV edit or, you know, when I watched, you know, I, I, I first watched Star Wars at the cinema, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, when you see it once and you're a little kid. And I saw, oh, I didn't see it like during its original run. I saw it like as a re-release just before Return of the Jedi came out. And, you know, everything's so quick. And then I had like a taped version of the television and that, that's like a four by three screen. So, you know, s- the stuff on the side gets chopped out. Oh, okay. I never remembered seeing the charred skeletons until I was way older. And I was sort of like, whoa, did that just get put in there? Or, mm-hmm. But I feel like maybe it was edited out of the television version. But it's it's strange because you didn't have like the thing of because we we so used to watching it on a four by three screen mm-hmm. and probably Return of the Jedi was the one that affected me the most. But when you finally got to watch it at home on widescreen, like in Jabba's palace, it was like oh my god, there's all these other dudes there that I've never seen. <laughs> Which is just no. That's awesome. Yeah, it was like <laughs> it's like finding it's like finding Easter eggs after the fact. <laughs> yeah, it was like for twenty years I watched it with one eye closed, and oh. then I got to see the edges, and I was just like, oh my god, there's like, like there's 
like Dengar, he's there. What the hell? How did he get there? It's um, it, it was it was it was quite interesting. One of my um, just off, you know, people that watched it off the taped version of television. One of my comedian friends in Australia, Lawrence Lung, that's been on the podcast. He, I love people's misconceptions about Star Wars, and he had this thing when Luke looked through his binoculars looking for R2-D2, he thought all these numbers came up on the bottom of the screen in quite big. And he thought that was part of the graphic of the binoculars. And then when he watched another version of the film later on, he was like, hey, where'd those numbers go? And then it sort of clicked with him that the numbers were actually for the Australian Tats Lotto draw that night. Oh my gosh. And they were coming up on the screen to inform people, which is weird that they just put up, when you think about that, it's kind of insidious. It's like, hey, gamblers, here's some numbers. I know you're enjoying this space fantasy with your family, but how about some numbers? Yeah. I always like like misconceptions and even my own Mm -hmm. from when I see like a trailer or a production photo and you think, oh, that must be about that. And then when you see the film, it's because I remember there was this one that stood out to me that I had this star Wars comic book annual and it was sort of like a hardcover version of the Marvel comic book. And there was a few bonus things at the end, like some photos from the film. And I hadn't seen the film yet, but there was this photo of Luke and Han in the trash compactor and it was in black and white and you couldn't see the walls. So in my head, it looked like they were on a trash planet and they were just walking through a trash planet with all this stuff. And so when I saw the film, I was just like, ah, oh, oh, that's totally wrong. But I love that, like that picture, like sent my imagination. Yeah. Off. And that's why I love like this part of this, the film cycle when, you know, we'll just start to get images and, and leaked photos and stuff. And you can mm-hmm. sort of go, oh, what's that about? And you can have your own little, you know, playtime in your head. Yeah. No, uh, that's awesome. I'm, it's really cool that I get to experience it now. Um, I had a little bit of it with Solo, uh-huh. um, not as much, but it's um, since I'm deep in the fandom now, it's cool that I'll have this lead up to episode nine and I actually get to experience it with all of you. And So what's your spoiler policy going into episode nine? Um, I'm fine with, um, I think, like some... Um, like locations, that kind of stuff. I'm okay right now with everything that um, people are supposedly leaking. I take it all with a grain of salt. Um, you know, I don't believe anything until it's on starwars.com announcing something, but mm-hmm. um, I'm okay with that. But I definitely uh, don't want to know like major plot points or the fate of characters or anything like that. I don't, I don't want to know any of that going into it. Yeah. I'm always, I don't want to know the last half hour. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm happy to see stuff and I, I, I yeah, I don't really want to. Do you know, like if someone like emailed me the script? Oh, I'd be like, nah, I don't want to. I don't want. Well, do that. that's another. That's another situation. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to read it either. I'd, I, especially not um, after posting all these texts. I was so surprised that everybody was positive. You know, I had put that disclaimer. I didn't want people to judge my, you know, my opinions as a as a new fan or anything like that. But I was so surprised how positive everyone was. So I kind of just want to experience it with everybody. I just want to, you know, go to the theater and be there with everyone and see for myself. Yeah, I think you're a lot like me. Like, there's a balance. Like, there's 
you know, getting a bit of info helps you enjoy the film. Like you get an extra year to enjoy the film. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like in like the, mm-hmm. the anticipation, and I'm big into anticipation. That's yeah. like my, um, there was like, um, I think it was the force cast. They, they tweeted out like, what are you most looking forward to this year? And my thing was, you know, when JJ Abrams calls for the lights to go down at celebration and that all the, everyone's phones go up and then the glistening Lucasfilm logo comes on and, then everyone cheers and then goes dead silent. <sighs> live for it. I live for it. That is. I'm go- I'm supposed to be going to just a celebration this year, so I can't wait to experience it. I saw yes! your tweet about. I saw your tweet about it, and I was like, oh, I, that's. I'm. So, I was hyped before, but that moment together with all of us, it's going to be great. It's going to be so spectacular. Oh, that's so cool! You're going to come. Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping to. I, I got tickets and stuff. I just want to make sure, you know, with work and life and everything like that. But yeah, I'm. I'm really excited. Awesome. Now let's get back. This is a. We're, okay. we're, we're, I think we're avoiding this on purpose. This next. Oh line. no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you know. Okay, I'll go ahead and let you read it, and then we'll get into it. <laughs> Don't like Han Solo. And then it gets worse. Actually, no, it's so bad. It's so bad. Actually, not sure if I like Princess Leia either. Lol. R two D two is great. C three PO can. We'll censor that, <laughs> but it's not positive. <laughs> if anyone who's still listening, who hasn't X'd out of the podcast yet, doesn't know, clearly I did not hold Star Wars up to a pedestal while I was watching. <laughs> I promise I love it. I promise I'm a, as big a fan as you are now. But while watching, this is me unfiltered. <laughs> so, uh, I hope the next movie will get more. Oh, oh my God. you're This is... You're a prophet. I hope the next movie will get more into the Empire versus the Rebellion stuff because that's where my interest is. Sorry if I sound dumb as hell talking about this. Lol. <laughs> oh, my I God. I knew that I sounded so dumb talking about it. <laughs> so what, what did your friend, like, reply? What, what did they think of your, uh, your take? Um, so she's actually pretty logical as well. She is also a very big Star Wars fan. Um, I didn't include all of her texts because it would just be too much in the thread. So I mostly would just kind of giving my open reactions and then letting everyone see them on Twitter. Um, but she, so she's actually pretty logical and she's said, you know, to just give it, you know, give it more time. Obviously we'll definitely see more of Luke, Darth Vader, the empire, the rebellion, all of that. Um, so, and I think she, um, I think she just laughed it off. She just thought it was hilarious, the stuff I was sending to her. I'm sure any of you, any person who um, is introducing their friends to something, half of it is just seeing them either, you know, even if they don't like something right away, it's just cool to see a different perspective. And so that's what I hoped everybody saw from my tweets as well. Um, oh, yeah. That, love for so long. That's what I love about new fans is they, it's unexpected what they're going to say. Do you, like, do you know what I mean? Like we, no, definitely. We get there's something that you know, and it's sort of the curse of Star Wars, is that they put out those three films, and then they didn't make one for what was it, seventeen years or yeah. But, and so people sort of got to watch them and then think about what would happen next or what else could happen with not much guidance. Mm-hmm. So so everyone went off in different directions. Whereas 
if you've got a film coming out every three years, you sort of get you get back on the track with everyone else again. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, like if you give someone a you know a job to do at work, and you come check on them in ten minutes, or you come check on them in three weeks later. Like if they go off in a different direction, it's like, oh, that's you know, you're you've you've stacked all the eggs the wrong way. I don't know. This metaphor is just, just off the tracks now. But let's go to the Empire Strikes Back. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so how soon did you watch this one? Straight after the next day? Um Yeah, it was the next night. Okay. So I saw a New Hope, um, and then yeah, the next night. Did you appreciate I guess maybe as the films, you got more into it. You know, you said by Return of the Jedi, you were fully on board. At what point, or if at all, did you savor, like, this is the first time I'm watching The Phantom Man? Like, like, do you know what I mean? Because when I sit in the cinema and it's about to start, I'm so aware of this is the first time, like, cherish this two hours. This is... Like, this is the first time this is all going to surprise you. What movie did you sort of click to, like, you know, you're not just, like, checking your phone or whatever and, and you know, doing other stuff, mm-hmm. but you're like, I am, I am treating myself to Revenge of the Sith. This is going to sound so bad. It, it was The Last Jedi. I think it was maybe the, the fact that I was going into the theater. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and because I watched the first, you know, the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy and Force Awakens within a span of a week, um, there wasn't much anticipation between each next one. I was just excited to keep going mm-hmm. um, and to see what would happen. So it wasn't so holy to me until um, The Last Jedi. And then that's when I knew, okay, I'm going into the theater. I'm, I, the, I'm in this fandom. Let's go. I'm ready for it. <laughs> so I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's probably when it was. But other, and, you know, I didn't know. Um, I, I said it early on in, um, on the thread but uh, on Twitter. But I said that I didn't know any fandom discourse. So I didn't know, oh, Empire Strikes Back is everyone's favorite. I didn't know... Revenge of the Sith is a lot of people's favorite from the prequel trilogy. I didn't know any of that. So I pretty much was just going into it not without any expectations of which movie was going to, you know, hit and connect with me. Gotcha. Um, So we've got the first text is, ah, shoot. We'll we'll, we'll keep it family friendly. (laughs) I know. I curse a lot in the text (laughs) for anyone who goes back and watch it. But but we'll keep the profanity to a minimum. Watching Empire Strikes Back, Yoda just showed up. (laughs) (laughs) After years of teasing my nephew, how could I not appreciate when Yoda shows up? (laughs) What did you think of Yoda, his little game he plays at the start where he acts like just uh, you know a little little swamp elf? What did you think about his his little game? Well, um, so Luke is my favorite character, uh, and I think – that connects with you also, I believe, when I found all your your podcasts and started I listening to it. I may have mentioned it on the podcast before, yes. Yes. that. <laughs> so Luke is my favorite character of the original trilogy. And so I found it hilarious that he was kind of teasing and joking around with Luke. Um, I loved their entire sequence. It was great. Um, and I thought, um, and even now I'm kind of wondering, you could probably answer it for me since you're a lot more of an expert than I am. But I also kind of thought maybe Yoda was... Um, 
messing with him, right? Is that would that be correct? Because later on, um, when he's kind of speaking to Obi Wan, he he's a lot more serious and saying that, Oh, Luke isn't ready for this and all of that. So to me, it seemed like he was just kind of teasing Luke to see what Luke would do. Is that correct? Yeah. I always took it that he was just acting a certain way to see like, I guess a metaphor would be if you're nicer to famous people than to regular people sort of thing. So I think he was just seeing yeah. like if he had, you know, the patience of a Jedi mm-hmm. should be, you know, to treat all life forms with respect. And, and, and it, that's sort of like, there's like a good parallel with how Qui-Gon Jinn treats Jar Jar Binks compared to Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Like, Obi-Wan Kenobi's like quite frankly a dick to him. But he is not nice to poor Jar Jar. <laughs> yeah, Qui-Gon's more sort of like, oh, you know, you know, this person, you know, might be might be able to help us. Do you know what I mean? He he mm-hmm. he, he if he's he's good of heart, then he um, you know, he might be a good ally. But yeah, then there's the other, I guess, the other, I, which I, I don't really think about much, that he's just crazy. <laughs> like he's just oh, yeah. he's but just see, been I, out I there for 20 it. years and he's just yeah. like, I need a torch. I need a torch, damn it. <laughs> he's, he's so wonderful. No, yeah, I actually, yeah, I thought that it really reminded me of in fairy tales and myths, and that's obviously a big part of Star Wars's influence is uh, past mythology and stuff. It felt like something like that, where the teacher is testing the student mm. with hiding their identity and seeing how they treat them, like you mentioned. So it very felt fairy taleish to me that um, Luke was being tested, kind of, to see how he would act. Yeah, even you know, like Karate Kid and Miyagi, <laughs> and he, you know, makes him, you know, clean the backyard, and all of a sudden he's like tricked him into learning karate. <laughs> Also, I love Chewie, and I, this is my favorite. And who's this dude telling Darth what to do? Dislike. <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever called the Emperor that. But, but I didn't know. Um, so, okay, now I'm kind of remembering. Um, so, obviously, I knew Vader was so important to everyone. He was He's the villain. He's everybody's, you know favorite character if not favorite character personally just you know he's just a great villain he's been lauded as his villain and then this dude shows up and i'm like who is he what is like why is vader listening to him i was so confused i was like this is the villain that everybody was talking about but then there's this guy telling him what to do so it was confusing for a minute yeah i i love that you know it's really cool that he's mentioned very vaguely in a new hope like Mm -hmm. yeah they mentioned the emperor and stuff and right. then, then you see him a bit there and then in Return of the Jedi you, you get to see like him in action. I, I, I love that progression. Did you know um, originally that hologram was a different face that had like monkey eyes superimposed over it to make him look that emperorishness and then they changed it for the boy rays? Oh, I didn't know that. No. The – because, yeah, it wasn't – like Ian McDermott in the Empire Strikes Back version okay. originally. Um, then you've got, there's a bit of meme work going on here. Me, every time they cut back to Han and Leah and you've got a lady giving an exasperated look 
What's that about? Oh, no. <laughs> okay, I apologize to everyone who loves Han and Leia. I love them now. I, I would die for them. But yeah, at that, at that moment, I think I... Um, I just connected so much with Luke, the force, that was just where my interest was going. And so every time they would cut back, I'd be like, oh man, now I gotta, <laughs> you know, I just wanted to get back to to Luke and um, what he was doing. And you know what's funny? Um, another middle movie in a trilogy that is in this fandom, a lot of people felt the same way. They kept wanting to go back to Luke. <laughs> and it's funny that people don't see that that also happened in Empire Strikes Back, that... <laughs> Well, didn't it also happen in Attack of the Clones? Like when all those yeah. romance scenes were going on, many people were just right. like, hey, can you cut back to anything else but this? I actually, that, 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 we'll talk about the sandline later on, but it's, it's now one of my favorites. Hammy, we're, we're all having good fun. You know, we love that you're a new Star Wars fan and, and you've got your views and your opinions. We welcome them. <laughs> but then in this next text... You're dissing one of the greatest lines in film history, I love you, I know. I've, I've, I've got half that line inscribed underneath my wedding ring, Hammy. Oh, no. <laughs> You're insulting sure my marriage, my family. I'm sure people, yeah, I'm sure people have it tattooed also. I'm telling you, I did not know anything about fandom, what, what was loved, what was disliked. And I think, um, obviously, my opinion on Han has changed completely. I love him to death. And even after the solo movie, I love him even more. Um, but I think at that moment I was just like, that's not what any girl wants to hear after <laughs> you tell a person that you love them. And so I was just being silly with my friend and saying, Oh my gosh, this is, this is not what I would want to happen to me. Um, but I know now, um, you know, it was, um, improv by Harrison Ford, correct. And he, and then George Lucas said, yeah, that works. That's good. So I, I understand now why it fits to Han's character and all of that. But at the time when I was watching, it was a, a roll your eyes moment for me. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I find it overwhelming how you've managed to take in not only the movies and the characters, but to learn that trivia as well in a year. Like, I, do, I don't love a little steel. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love deeply and passionately. So that's why I keep trying to tell, you know, tell you that I, I really do love the world and I love exploring it. So this was all just, you know, this is innocent hammy back in. Back in. <laughs> keep, keep referring to yourself in the third person. That's, that's I awesome. <laughs> I also love, you've got a reply from your friend here and I, I sort of, um, check, but you keep calling in the texts Han Solo Hans and the reply from your friend is also Love that you call him Hans. Keep doing that, especially when you talk to hardcore fans. <laughs> <laughs> Great so that advice. can show you that can show you what a troll my best friend is. <laughs> that she she just wants me to get thrown into the fire. Um, of course, you know I got her permission before I posted all of our texts um, between each other, and you know right away she was very kind and. <laughs> accepting that I was going to be posting this, but she did warn me too, you know, you're doing the same thing where putting yourself out there. So by having it all there. So. All right. Now, if I got a bit sensitive about that, uh, I love you. I know this is even, I haven't clicked on these ones yet. I don't even know what you say, but coming down to my most sensitive of all things. And that's return of the Jedi. My, oh gosh. my most favorite thing that was ever projected on a giant white wall. 
is Return of the Jedi, the, the, the greatest film of all time. I'm not saying it's the best film, but it's the greatest film. Now, uh, your disclaimer on this one, which I'm very concerned about, is this is actually my favorite of the original trilogy, but you wouldn't know it from these texts. Gulp. As I click onto them, Hammy, started Return of the Jedi after after, sorry, started Return of the Jedi after Empire Strikes Back. WTF, am I even watching? These (laughs) These dancing slavers of Jabba. Oh, my God. And then your friend replied with lots of laughter. And then there's some corny stuff in Return of the Jedi. Now, I'm wondering, Hammy, have you sought out the original version of uh, Jabba the Hutt's throne room without the dancing slaves? Yeah. So um, after after I finished all of the movies, um, when I was getting into everything with the fandom, I saw that there were different versions. So then I went and looked up all as a true nerd would. I looked up all the you know differences, then additions that were made later. So I have seen it, but unfortunately, the version that you know I had um, to watch was the special editions. So yeah, it's weird. Like the original version for me is far better. Like the original. Jabba's Palace, you know, the Mm -hmm. Max Rebo band. But because I'd seen that version so much, I don't mind watching the special edition version just because there's different stuff to look at. I like the original version better, but maybe I'd probably rather watch the special edition because it's newer to my eyes, with the exception of the Ewok celebration. Because... (laughs) You don't love that? Oh, no. Yubnub. Are you aware of the Ewok song at the end of Return of the Jedi, the original version? You mean, do I have that song on my phone? Yes, I do still. Hammy, <laughs> we're going to be great friends. It is, I, I just, that song is the best. And I, I, I do like that, um, you know, the new song they did for the special edition, but it, The little Pied Piper, it's lovely, very nice, but nothing can compare to like, no, step off. All right, so we've got, uh, lol, I like this fight sequence with the squad escaping Jabba. Happy, you're back in the good box. Yes. (laughs) It was my, it's probably my favorite fight of the original trilogy. Uh, you you can tell this was when I fell in love uh, you can see it and I think that's probably why not just saying this because I'm on your podcast but I think that's why Return of the Jedi is my favorite of the original trilogy all right. it, Hammy all is forgiven um, <laughs> and then you've got I love this that this is just the live the live tweets oh damn to Leia choking him I'm definitely a Luke fangirl and uh, so am I I'm definitely a Luke fangirl myself Mm-hmm. Uh, and then your friend very astutely replies, yes, I love that she chokes him with her own chain, which is a sweet metaphor. Then you've got another one. Love this. And I will, uh, I'll family friendly this. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> First time seeing the emperor in person. Oh, no, this is heartbreaking. Yoda, frowny face, (laughs) R.I.P. 
<laughs> I was so sad. Yeah, I just knew him. I did, I did. and <laughs> But I fell in love quickly too, so. It's so sad. But I do love um, Yoda getting tucked in is just, it's so delightful. He's so cozy. He is. Just, and you know what else is funny? I got to see him five days later in The Last Jedi, so I think I was fine. I wish I knew then. I was so upset. And then, my and you know, my friend didn't spoil me on anything. She didn't say, um, you know, she didn't spoil at all that Yoda was about to show up because we had planned it to go see The Last Jedi, so that's why I had quickly watched all the movies. Nice. Had she, had see, had she seen it yet? Mm-hmm. She'd already seen it. Okay, She'd yeah, already yeah. seen the, Yeah, so she was just going with me. Yeah, because I was going to really raise her quizzical eyebrow she'd waited until january to see no no she she saw it really early on (laughs) uh and then you've got lol plan two to destroy a death star when you're watching it like nightly back to back like dudes you just you blew up a death star two nights ago what's going on Oh, and wait, wait till I get to the Force Awakens. <laughs> I just couldn't, you know, and, but it's okay. I was very accepting of it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, and none of the stuff that I was saying was mean spirited at all. I was really enjoying it and having, I wouldn't have kept watching, you know, if I wasn't enjoying what I was seeing. It was just funny. It was just cool to find the humor in it. And I think I helped my friends see that too, um, because since she is a hardcore fan. So it, it was just funny to me. Oh that, yeah. That's like totally my attitude of watching it. It's like loving it, but it's super goofy. So let's, you know, let's, let's make jokes. Like I always marvel that, you know, princess Leia lost her planet, her parents, entire population, but she consoles Luke on losing his new hobo friend. It's just so out of proportion because as my buddy Courtney says on her pin, it's fake and in space. So it is. It's... I love Courtney and her podcast. So. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really good. Uh, who talks first, everyone, if you haven't heard that yes. one. Then your friend says, I think Chewbacca is immortal or something because he's been in every single movie so far. I like the, I like the theory that maybe, maybe Chewbacca is a Dracula, you know? It's... <laughs> and then you write, uh, awesome, because I love him. Yoda's 900 years old, so maybe everyone has a longer life expectancy than humans. Um, ah, this is awesome. <laughs> so the next thing you t- text is a picture of Admiral Akbar with the caption, it's a trap, and it says, GIF origin knowledge is expanding. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy. I... I, I... I think I'm sure everyone, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe not everybody loves memes, but everyone, I was just so happy in that moment to finally gain another piece of pop culture. You know, it goes in order. So Vader being Luke's father and then this. So so I was so happy to be gaining all the knowledge. Well, it's weird that it's a trap thing. You know, obviously it had been around since 1983, but I don't think, and, and people chime in, let me know. It wasn't until like Robot Chicken, you know, did a sketch about it, the It's mm-hmm. a Trap thing, that it became like a meme or a pop culture phenomenon and stuff. But where had you seen, um, do you remember seeing any uses of the It's a Trap gif or meme before you'd seen Star Wars? Yeah, it was just responses to people. 
Um, it was always just what people would, you know, respond on Twitter. I had been on Twitter um, before joining the fandom. So I, it was just what everyone online would like reply with as a funny joke. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I even knew it was Star Wars. Um, I think I just, I know, I know. And you know, it's crazy that that part, you know, he's, I mean, I love Admiral Akbar and he's held to um, such a high esteem now, but it's funny that it was, that gif is like the biggest thing about him. So yeah, well, I really think that if it wasn't for Robot Chicken, like really, you know, doing a lot of stuff with Admiral Akbar, because there was there was one thing where he had like some breakfast cereal in one sketch, and you know, the, it's a trap. But they really, um, they did a lot for Admiral Akbar's like character. Like, I, I don't think he was like anywhere near as celebrated as he was until. Um, he became a, a, a comedy icon, as mm-hmm. it were. The because uh, I watched, um, you know, like when you watch The Simpsons or whatever, and I did a thing a couple of years ago where I just I just wanted to watch all these like mobster movies that I'd either seen once when I was little and not taken much notice of, or never seen because I rewatched The Godfather. And like, I hadn't really watched it properly. And then when I watched it, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And so I started like going through and watching, you know, Goodfellas and as much as Casino, as much as I can. And it just began to make so many references in The Simpsons make sense where I was like, ah, that's why that happened. So it's, um, it's interesting when you're totally separated from something and you're watching you know these shows and stuff and then you mm-hmm. you sort of like get the key to it's like oh, i feel like i have to rewatch the entire simpsons now so i can get every gangster reference that's ever been made and yeah. then you end <laughs> i think this is the end of your return of the jedi commentary or at least on this page oh my god seeing anakin at the end yay excited to start the prequels oh no <laughs> So I, I, I think you can tell from the very end, I was I was totally on board. I was so in love by the end of the original trilogy. And I hope, um, I, I guess that would probably be the case with most people. Now, but, um, you've got some post-original original trilogy thoughts. Um, Harrison Ford isn't the only one that thought Han should have died in The Empire Strikes Back. Um, <laughs> I was really sad that Leia didn't use the Force. By the end, I loved her and kept waiting for it to happen. So glad the last Jedi gave us that. So these are these are your tweet thoughts, not your text thoughts. This is your commentary yeah, these are my thoughts on your commentary. Later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but she did use a little bit of force. Yeah, yeah. The force connection um, with Luke um, that was awesome. I I think that's why I think I expected her to use it physically and rather than just you know telepathically. So I kept waiting for that. And I think also, you know, when Yoda says, oh, there is another, I instantly thought of Leia. Um, by that point, you know, I loved her. So I kept waiting for it to happen and it didn't. And I was really sad. Did you know that originally it wasn't Leia? I know that now, but obviously as I was watching, no, I didn't know that. So go. Um, so I assumed it, I think that might've just been my guess that it was going to be Leia. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not something you should have in your mind the first time you watch it. But I again, I marvel at how you've picked up all this like little bits of trivia. That is um I, I are you a good student? 
I would say when I was younger, I was probably a good student. (laughs) Adulting got in the way of me learning more. But yeah, no, I'm so passionate about learning and I just want to know every piece of knowledge. And luckily, Star Wars is built for that, it seems like, to try and absorb everything you possibly can. So Yeah, because I since like finding your tweets and, and following you, I I kind of like, oh my God, she's got such a great grasp of Star Wars only of watching it for a year. Like, you know, like you make points mm-hmm. about the films and that and I'm just like, man, she's on point. She's um she's caught up. She's lapping me. <laughs> Oh, that's so kind of you to say. Yeah, I guess I guess that's what surprised me, too. Um, I mean, it didn't shock any of my friends because they know me. They know how, you know, into Harry Potter I was, all of that. It didn't shock any of my real life friends um, how far I went into Star Wars. But I think it also surprised me when I was on Twitter. And, you know, I'm, I pretty much... I don't even know why, but I guess I just wanted to learn more. And so I kind of set this goal. Okay, I'm going to tweet once a day about Star Wars. And so that'll help me learn about it. So then I just was tweeting once, like one thought a day, whether it was a joke or it was some new thing that I had learned. Um, so I did that literally for the year after I saw the last Jedi, um, all of 2018, I tweeted, I remember it would be on my lunch break at work. I would always have a tweet planned for whatever I had learned. So it was really cool. And then, and you know, it's crazy how many people were so supportive of that, of me being new and learning everything. Now, uh, so this is a bit of your wrap-up texts. Uh, Mm -hmm. We can talk more in detail once I'm done with the prequels. But with these original trilogies, it doesn't seem like it was necessary for Luke and Leia to be twins. I thought we'd see her use the Force or something, but it seems like it's just a twist to be a twist. Oh, that's so harsh. I'm sorry, George Lucas, you're not listening to this, but I'm so sorry. (laughs) But I always say, like, to people, some people, like, are under the assumption that Lucas had it all planned out. And he just sort of had, like, a general idea. And, it you Mm -hmm. know, it it moves as the story moves and Mm -hmm. other people throw in ideas and stuff like that. But if it was George Lucas's contention that Luke and Leia were brother and sister the whole way along. What the hell was he doing at the start of Empire Strikes Back with that kiss? Like, like if, if that was his thought, like, like if you, (laughs) he he wanted to give one to the Luke and Leia shippers. He was like, you know what guys, before I throw a wrench in it all, let me just give you the kiss real quick. (laughs) Like I, like I understand it because it was like the story changed and, but, Mm -hmm. and, and do you know what I mean? Like you can joke about, intergalactic incest or you like and right it's right. you know it's 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 fine but you can you can make a joke about it because it, it is not fine at the same time yeah but if he i just find it it's such an odd thing that like if he was at home like going yeah i'm gonna they don't know their brother and sister yet but i'll make them kiss yeah <laughs> like it's it's not a good look and no, no. to george lucas's credit he um he had a basic idea and then he was, you know, malleable as he went. He sort of changed things as people, um, you know, gave concepts mm-hmm. and, and, and helped with rewrites and something like that. Um, and I, think, I think that's good to do for like a creator. Um, you know, you often you think, especially with someone who's that successful, you know, their word is everything. So it's cool that he was like, 
I'm going to tell the story that, and obviously we see it later in the prequels. I'm going to tell the story that I want to tell. And, you know, it's his unique voice. So it's okay to, it, it never bothered me. Um, I didn't even, you know, until I, once I joined the fandom, that's when I was like, oh yeah, they did kiss, I guess. So, um, but I didn't know, I didn't know that Leia was going to be Luke's uh, twin. So it was definitely a, a big twist for me. Now you've got, um, there are some more nitpicks, but I think I really enjoyed Return of the Jedi the most. That one's for you. <laughs> um, oh, this next one. All right. You, you, we were doing so well, Hammy. I know. I know. I undercut myself so much. <laughs> All right. So your next text is, well, I don't like the Ewoks or the crazy aliens at Jabba the Hutt's palace. How dare you? I love them now. I will, I will go on the record and say that I love the Ewoks. I love the aliens. I love everything in Star Wars. So it, at that moment, though. <laughs> Ewoks, they just got me at the right age. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I've still got the little teddy bear. Uh, it's it's in my bedroom for, for Harrison to play with once he's old enough. But my little Ewok teddy bear that I bought when I, I remember it was $16 or something. It was in that price point to get like that, that Kenner Ewok. And I don't think I've gotten more value for money out of anything in my life, considering I still have it on my bed. But um, I just hugged that thing to bits. It's like it's when you see, like when my wife, I decided to collect all the vintage Ewoks like in there, like not, not mint in box, but like mm-hmm. mint out of box. And when the Ewoks began to arrive, she couldn't believe how fluffy they were compared to my one because, <laughs> like, my one is just, like, it's all just scraggly and, and none of the fur is longer than an inch. And these new ones or the, the ones that have been looked after for uh, 35 years are just, like, they've just got, like, three inches of fur and they're super puffy and, man, I love that little guy. He was um, a, a great companion. But you, I, you continue, I definitely like all the Luke and Vader stuff the best. Having that intercut with the action scenes made everything much more enjoyable to me. Luke showing up to save them all at Jabba's also made that better. Also great that they toned Hans down. <laughs> <laughs> at that point, I was using it to be funny. I, I knew by that point he was Han Solo. But, I was <laughs> but yeah, I... Um, I don't know. I just connected with the Force. I loved all the philosophy of the Force. Um, you know, everything that Yoda and Obi-Wan try and teach Luke, um, the showdown with between him and Vader, uh, making the choice at the end to throw his lightsaber, all of that. I just was so enamored by it and I loved it. I loved it all. What did you think about Luke's pacifism at the end of Return of the Jedi throwing the saber down? When I was little, I, I, I just didn't understand it. I think there's a great lesson in there for mm-hmm. um, a little boy that, maybe had a, a little bit of a temper as a, uh, when he was younger. But what, what did you make of that as a, uh, a fully grown hammy? I felt like it was the correct choice. The pacifism just made sense to me. Um, I was really confused why Yoda and Obi-Wan were telling him to kill Vader, that he would have to face him, that he would have to kill them. Um, I also didn't understand why they were telling him not to go after his friends. It all just seemed kind of antithetical to what you would want your hero to do. You, you don't want your hero to, to be a monster who 
you know, can't understand how someone like Vader could happen in the world. You want your hero to believe that there could still be good in him and have faith in him. So I think when Luke got in the elevator with Vader, I knew right then probably like that things weren't going to go, that he wasn't going to kill him. It didn't seem that way to me. Interesting. So you bring up a great point that Ben and Yoda's advice, it's all wrong. And then when you go to The Last Jedi and Luke is quite dismissive of, you know, where the Jedi went and, you know, mm-hmm. their, their legacy is failure. And people get really upset about that. Like, Oh, Mayer. yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you think about Luke's point of view, like he saved his friends mm-hmm. for, for a period of time, saved the galaxy, and it was by doing the opposite of what the Jedi said for him to do, like his sort of disdain for the organization kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, we'll get to it if, um, if we have time and we can get to the last Jedi, but I immediately connected with that and I saw, um, you know, from what I'd seen in the prequels and all of that, I totally understood Luke in The Last Jedi. I was so happy with how his arc turned out. I know that's probably a bit controversial to say since um, probably a lot of the fans who have loved him for so long don't feel that way, but it felt, it made sense to me after seeing The Return of the Jedi um, that that could happen, that he would um, want to dismiss what the Jedi had told him. And in a way, it probably felt a bit like failure to him that he did do his own thing, you know, he didn't kill Vader, and yet the cycle continued somehow mm. under his watch. It's, it's really heartbreaking. It was, I don't know, it was as an adult, it, it felt very real to me. Maybe a, maybe a child who sees The Last Jedi wouldn't see that much depth in it, but as an adult who's overcome issues and things like that, it, I don't know, it just really connected with me how he, um, how he wanted to pull away instead of, um, and not always be the hero or have to be the hero. Yeah. Independent podcasts like Steel Wars live and breathe on listener word of mouth. Listeners just like you. You can always help out the podcast by letting your fellow Star Wars fans know that you're listening to the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you get one extra person to check it out, you have done me a huge favor. The latest episode link is always pinned to the top of my Twitter feed and Facebook page. So a share is just a click away. It is so appreciated and it really works. Also, if you're an iTunes user, jump on there and give us a sweet five-star review as it bumps us up the rankings, lets potential listeners know we're doing good stuff and helps a certain podcaster sleep warm at Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for your support and pod it forward. All right, Hammy. Let's go back in time to the Phantom Menace. Now, uh, your preface for these texts is, I now absolutely love the Phantom Menace. It's themes, the politics, the display of symbiosis, Jar Jar. Okay. Maybe not the pod racing, but all of the rest of it. Now, my first question about, and I find it fascinating that you're watching these in such a condensed time period because Mm -hmm. 
I, I, you know, as we sort of mentioned before, I, I feel like having it all stretched out puts unfair expectations on the films because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have like a 15 years to, for our imagination to, to race on. And, and when I interviewed, you know, some of the ILM guys about uh, Solo and the Kessel Run and I'm like, you know. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. It's really hard what you tried to do because you're competing with you know, 40 years of all our nerds' yep. imaginations of imagining what it was all about. But how did you find just the change in look of the films from the original trilogy and then the next night watching The Phantom Menace? Like, obviously, just the the, the look of the films with the effects and stuff like that, it, it, it's a little bit different. Was that Was that jarring or...? Um, no, it wasn't jarring. Um, I think I had a little bit of prep from my friend. Um, I'll, I'll out her and say she loves the prequels. Um, I think that makes sense for most of our age group. Um, they grew up with the prequels. Um, that was, you know, Star Wars for them, other than maybe if they had seen the original trilogy with their parents. So, um, so she absolutely loved the prequels. So, um, I think she had kind of forewarned me about some of the stuff in the prequels, but, um, I knew right away, okay, that these are the ones that, you know, came out 99, you know, 2000s. So it, I think um, it wasn't anything jarring Um, and I'm not too judgy on that's just me personally. I'm not too judgy on effects or anything like that. I would rather, um, you know, the story speak for itself than worry about that kind of stuff. Yeah. I also think maybe because you watch like the Blu-ray versions or the the, the most up-to-date versions, Mm -hmm. you know, George Lucas did sort of, you know, modernize or, or 2000 eyes the, um, you know, the original trilogy with all those CGI bits. So it doesn't, um, you know, right. if, that, if that was your first experience, it, it's probably not as jarring because you've already seen. Um, oh, what did you think of special edition Jabba the Heart in, in Star Wars? <laughs> he was he was cool. It was fine. I mean, um, <laughs> I yeah. Now going back and seeing that he wasn't even uh, he wasn't that interaction with him and Han didn't happen. Correct in the original yeah, um, yeah. run of it. So so going back, I think I'm I'm pretty neutral on that. Um, I think probably I think as everybody is um, the Han shooting first thing that's more important to me. Uh, more more of a change than I, I don't mind that he threw Jabba in. That was fine. Oh yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. So. Like when, because, you know, everyone else experienced that of, of like, oh, it's Jabba the Hutt from Return of the Jedi. But how was it for you to like go, hey, it's Jabba the Hutt from A New Hope? <laughs> I guess, yeah, that's that's all I thought. I was like, oh, okay, it's a big shot gangster who's <laughs> who's looking for, no, um, he's, uh, yeah, I just, um, sorry, sorry, let me. Let me just restart over. You're good. Uh, no, I knew that he had been referenced, um, and I, it wasn't anything. It wasn't bigger momentous. I was just um, excited to see him, and that was it. Nice. Okay, so oh my god, I really wanted to give Phantom Menace a fair chance, but oh my god, it's pretty bad. 
I think it has to be the way Lucas writes because all of the actors should be fine in it, except the little kid is annoying. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to the actor who played young Anakin. <laughs> little Jake. Jake Lloyd. Jake Lloyd, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, he, like, obviously what happened to him and, you know, his, his like, issues, look, it's, it's tragic and it, it should be a, a lesson to us all about, you know, how worked up we get about a film and stuff like that, especially when we're talking about a little kid. And, um, but, you know, you've, you've got this little kid acting in one of the hardest films to act in. I think mm-hmm. Phantom Menace maybe was a little bit easier, but then you've got like the reliance because they, they had way more sets in the Phantom Menace than they did for Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. But then you had a lot more reliance on interacting with Jar Jar mm-hmm. and, and that would have been really hard. So, And then you've got like, you know, maybe the most successful, least actor-friendly director of all time. Mm-hmm. And... uh Yes, but you say uh, also who is supposed to be the focus of the film. I didn't mind all the politics and trade negotiations, but I can understand how audiences wouldn't enjoy that. The film should have maybe started with Anakin and been an origin story, then bring in the politics. Also, Jar Jar Binks. Lol. <laughs> Misa, I only want to talk like him from now on. With you. What's with you? I, that's me not knowing how to talk like George Irving with you from now on. Ah, with you. gotcha. <laughs> Sound like you're bringing in some Harry Potter terminology that no, I, no. I, I wasn't aware of. So it, it is weird because it does sort of, it is a sprawling um, sort of film of how it attracts from, you know, the Jedi to... Uh, Anakin Skywalker and stuff. They're sort of they're they're picking up people for the later movies, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you got? Where's the other? Oh no, you only had one page on that one. God, that's yeah. very limited. Very limited thoughts on uh, one of the most popular films of all time. I did. Um, now my opinion obviously has changed for the Phantom Menace, um, and I actually love the politics the politics you know especially now um i've seen the clone wars and all of that i'm so into the politics um but uh at the time i i I think my friend had kind of warned me that the prequels weren't received well i think that's pretty much all she had told me um so i kind of went in with that expectation of oh okay some people might not like these and so that's why i um was kind of trying to analyze what why that would be when i first saw it at any point sort of while watching this and, you know, it's, it seems pretty obvious that your first watching wasn't entirely positive, but at any point were you like, yeah, I think I'm done with um, this experiment of watching these Star Wars movies. <laughs> no, I never was. I, I, I wanted to see it through to the end. So I, I and it, it wasn't that it was positive. I, I hope, you know, everyone sees that I was kind of just joking along as I was watching. So it wasn't anything that it wasn't, you know, it wasn't overly negative. If it was something that I actually genuinely didn't like, I'm sure I would have stopped watching it. So it wasn't like that at all. I, I was having fun joking and um, with my friend while I was watching. Nice. Now attack of the clones. Uh, your commentary on your commentary was the symbolism of losing a hand is clearly not lost on me as shown by my my continuous use of Jamie Lannister gifts. Who's Jamie Lannister? (laughs) 
<laughs> from Game of Thrones, he loses a hand. Got you, got you. Okay, that um, makes sense. I love this text. Wow, Karen Knightley played the decoy queen in episode one. <laughs> By that point, I think I started looking up stuff to to kind of get a little more context to the movies. So I was so excited when I when I saw that she had been in them. <laughs> gotcha. And then in you know once you get to Attack of the Clones it turns into like all the background actors are now like famous Australian actors it's, mm-hmm. um, with Rose Byrne and uh, yeah I love Rose Byrne yeah yes uh for watching Attack of the Clones finally we get to see the actual kitties in the Jedi school <laughs> that's oh, all no. I wanted to see took five movies that's all I movies. wanted to see and I don't know what happens next to all of the kids <laughs> brutal for my, and my, my friend good on her she didn't spoil me she knew that i was so happy to see the kids and oh my god that is such an amazing text message yay we get to see the jedi kitties surely nothing bad will ever happen to them <laughs> and if there is surely they won't imply it at all in the next film uh oh my god joel edgerton plays anakin's stepbrother love him that was so weird because Joel Edgerton was, you know, in Australian films, a famous actor by this mm-hmm. point. And yeah, seeing him and, and Rose Byrne pop up, but none of them had the impact of when Jack Thompson floats out onto Tatooine as Clee Glass. <laughs> like people in the audience in Australia just like started laughing like we couldn't because he's such an iconic mm-hmm. like you know the sort of image like a Clint Eastwood but mm-hmm. he, like our our own Clint just like a just a just a gritty actor just a man's man mm-hmm. and, and then he's floating out it was bizarre it was unbelievable to see but love the clear glass then your final text. I get why you had to rewatch these. I'm as confused as. <laughs> what were you confused about? I think um, the politics. I think um, the politics and um, what was happening with the emperor. I think my friend had kind of um, mentioned also that she, had, you know, she had to rewatch them before she really understood all the trade negotiations and everything. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I was kind of in the deep thick of them. And so I, I think that's what I was confused about. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, I think I'm okay. Now this whole time I was trying to figure out who the emperor will be. Ah, ah. <laughs> so when you watched the Phantom Menace, you didn't know who the emperor was. No, in, in terms of Palpatine. No, I didn't know. I didn't know who would be eventually become the emperor. Fascinating. Because I guess, like, you know, for me it was obvious because, you know, it's the same actor. But when you're watching it the next night, you know, you, you don't I guess time. I didn't register because yeah. maybe because of the, the makeup and all of that. I, yeah, I just didn't register that it was the, the same actor. Gotcha. All right. This is, this is a great text. Okay, I think I'm okay now. This whole time I was trying to figure out who the emperor will be. I think it's Palpatine because Dooku is taking the Death Star back to his master. So it's not him. And I've been <laughs> and I've been real suspicious of Palpatine this whole time. Yes! I've had my eye on him, a suspicious eye. 
Oh my god. He seemed too nice. He was so he seemed too nice to me. So I knew something had to be up with him. I guess we'll see how Anakin comes to work for him in the final movie. Ah, this is golden material, Hammy. Love it. I love that you are keeping a suspicious eye on him. That is very good. Very, very good. Um, Then we go to Revenge of the Sith. Uh, And then your little commentary on your commentary was, apparently I was one of the people who needed Rogue One. Why do you say that before we get into it? Um, I think at the end, I was at the end of the prequels. I just wanted to know what could bridge the prequels and the original trilogy. Since mm-hmm. I had watched them in release order, um, I just wanted to know the in between. Okay, what led? How did the twins go from you know their adoptive parents to where they are in the original trilogy? So I kind of just wanted that connection of how Leia would have the plans and be on her way, um, all of that. So, so it, it was actually really cool um, after the fact. I ended up seeing Rogue One um, with Star Wars fans that I had met online. Um, I ended up seeing Rogue One um, maybe in April of 2018, so three or four months after I finished all of Star Wars. Um, I went back and saw Rogue One. Ah, so you didn't put it into your, um, your timeline. Mm-mm. I think I think when I got advice from people, because I was trying to finish it before I saw The Last Jedi, um, when I got advice from people, they kind of said, oh, you can you know watch it later. So that was the advice people had given me. Gotcha. Solid. You're on a time crunch. Yeah. <laughs> binge watching. Binge watching all of Star Wars in five days. <laughs> now, and I, you know, I you know, always think it's like, oh. It'd be so good to like be able to like wipe my memory and watch it again for the first time. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think that's why I was so thankful that um, you know this is me a, a year after seeing you know some crazy stuff in the Star Wars fandom with how passionate people are. So I think for me it was a comfort after a year and you know making friends online who also love Star Wars. It was a comfort for me that almost all the comments were positive and in the same voice. They were saying that I wish I could you know, watch it for the first time. So it was cool that I had given everybody this chance to see how maybe they would have reacted if they didn't know anything. So it was really great. Now, um, this first bit of commentary is so good. I hate Palpatine's stupid face. He's such a smarmy git. And then there's three emojis of a middle finger poking up. But yeah, he's like, I remember when I was little, and like when he was like, "Oh, you pathetic rebel band!" Like in Return of the Jedi, I was just like, mm-hmm. "Just lightsaber him in the face, Luke! Just please, please, why not?" <laughs> I mean, now it's cool after the prequels. Now he is a mastermind. He, you know, you have to give him props for what he did. So uh, props where props are due. But yeah, while watching, you, you know. It's cool that, you know, Vader is the villain and he's redeemed. It's cool that you actually, everybody can kind of agree on, you know, not liking Palpatine. I mean, you fan after him because he's um, so manipulative and so good at what he's doing. But, um, you know, he is the villain of the story. He's what, you know, he's what takes over Anakin's thoughts. And he's, you know, he's the one, you know, puppeteering all of this to happen. So, yeah, his plan is. It's it's spot on. And I always like the real world thing of George Lucas conceiving his plan is um, pretty genius as well. 
Like mm-hmm. how he like worked both sides and then the moment he had ultimate power just like got rid of everyone that was fighting. Like it you was, know, it's, it's it's horrible, but it was it's such a beautiful moment of it all coming together and he planned that. Um it's great. Yeah, yeah, some some of my like in the novels and stuff, when they touch upon people going Hey, it was weird how that war just instantly ended. Like sometimes like people that don't know what happened will be thinking about it in the novel and it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah, it's just an interesting concept that, you know, people sort of going, Hey, and I remember there was one book where Tarkin was like, pretty sure Darth Vader's Anakin Skywalker, but I can't ask him. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just drop some hints. Like it, it's, um, very interesting. I've read the um, novelizations. Um, like I said, I went deep this year. So I read the novelizations. And then even I think in Leia Princes of Alderaan, it gets pretty close to um, to someone figuring it out. And I was nervous while I was reading that too. So it's really cool. It's um, the, the novelizations and the books and stuff, it's really cool to read that after the fact. And it enhances, you know, my learning from there. But yeah. Always learning, Hammy. Always learning. Oh, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> Now uh, you've got uh, not all of your commentary is insightful as others. No. (laughs) But few can argue this one. Hayden Christensen's acting is meh, but he's hot AF. (laughs) I was being honest, okay? I was just being honest. I'm sure he knows himself that he's a good-looking man. <laughs> so I just wanted to, you know, give him credit for that. <laughs> I do have to say, when he came out on stage at Star Wars Celebration um, for the 40th anniversary panel, his smile, it's... I've seen the pictures now. It's amazing. It, it It's melting. Like, it, he just flashes that... It's sort of like this... Oh me, like um, I'm like you're embarrassing me by looking at how cute my smile is. Smile, it's <laughs> it's adorable, but very, very even today, very swoon worthy. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I and you know, especially um, after I saw the Clone Wars and stuff, Anakin, I I absolutely love him. He's one of my favorite characters. So everything kind of changes the same way I assume it happens with all fans um, who, you know, whether if you've been watching it like me shortly or if you've been a fan for 40 years, um, every time you rewatch it, you gain new things. And so I love Anakin now and I don't want him to get hurt. (laughs) The, um, oh, that's like, you know, part of the brilliance of revenge of the Sith is like, cause it's sometimes like star Wars suffers with, you know, you always know what's going to happen. Like it's, we're always going back in time and then filling in gaps. And, uh, you know, it's sometimes a little bit frustrating for me because it's sort of like, I, I just, I want to not know. But this is why I'm so excited about episode nine because I'm like, I have no idea what's going to happen. Like I have yeah. no idea what happens to these characters. There's no, mm-hmm. there's nothing that it has to fit into at the mm-hmm. end. But watching Revenge of the Sith, it sort of adds to the weight of it that it's inevitable that, this is going to be a tragedy. And that, that yeah. there's that scene where Padme and Anakin are sort of looking out to each other over Coruscant and there's that music and it's just, it's so just, oh, this is. It's one of my favorite scenes this ain't uh, gonna work in out. all of Star Wars. It's beautiful. Um, both of them, uh, 
you know, looking out. I think he's at the temple and then um, she's on the balcony near the Senate, correct? I think. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. I love that. The tragedy of Revenge of the Sith. Um, I've read the novelization. That's beautiful, too. Um, you just feel the dread the whole movie. I think I think that's why it ended up being um, my favorite of the prequels. Nice. The I don't like the saving Padme angle, but I totally buy Anakin leaning towards the dark side because of the restrictions placed on him by the Jedi Council. This is just like Snape and Lily all over again. Explain that one for me. I know it's um from Harry Potter. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much we want to go into detail about it, but in the Harry Potter fandom, I think opinion on Snape is changing. Um, originally, you know, as we were, every year a book was coming out. So Snape was the mystery character of all of Harry Potter. And what was his motivation? A lot of us had the idea that, you know, he was working for the good side, uh, but he had to pretend to be bad. So all of that was leading to the very final book. And so at the end, we find out that his motivation was not just that he was, you know, in love with Lily Potter, but that it was an unrequited love. It just wasn't what I had wanted for him as a fan. Um, and so going to Star Wars, I was a clean slate, but I wasn't with Harry Potter. So for me, I wanted his motivation to do good, even though, even though, you know, he didn't like James Potter, he didn't like, you know, Harry himself, that he himself had that motivation to want to be good. I guess I, that's what I wanted with um, Snape. And so with Anakin, um, I knew that he loved Padme, um, but I was just surprised to see that that was what the fear of losing her was what um, drove him to the dark side. Now I understand. Now I, I see it all in the big picture of it. Um, but at that moment, I didn't um, I didn't understand why he was falling to the dark side because of that. Yeah, I actually. um really like that plot point of, of, of what drove him and stuff. I, mm-hmm. um, you know, there was like a lot of, I think like people theorized and, and, and maybe it was going to be in the film. I don't know, but that it was sort of like a, a jealousy with Obi-Wan. Like he thought that. Yeah. But it's, and I, I'm glad I, if that was going to be in it, I'm glad it's not. I, I, I think I like that, you know, I think there's one statement where he says, where Padme says, oh, we can talk to Obi-Wan, I think, right? And yeah. He's, and, and he's like, no, I don't want to do that because um, he's going through his own issues. So, um, but I, I think I like that it was just, uh, now I understand. Now, and it's a little bit different. Um, I can see the difference between what happened with Snape and what happened with Anakin. Anakin, it was out of genuine love, someone who, you know, his wife and the fear of losing her. Like that was, you know, the crux of it. It wasn't that and an unrequited love. It was something like that he genuinely loved her and that was what um, was driving him. And then of course, you know, he loses his mother and all of that kind of escalates everything further. Um, the fear of loss. Now, uh, didn't even like Windu, but didn't want Anakin to be fooled by Palpatine like that. Oh, felt the internal conflict. Good scene. <laughs> and the hammy for good scene goes to people sweat Hayden Christensen on acting but the bit where he goes oh what have I done I it was beautiful it was so good I buy that that was um it's like that scene it's just like like that's like one of the ones where knowing what happened makes it better because you're just like 
you can't do this. Don't don't do it. Just don't. Just mm-hmm. chill. Let's all sit down and have a chat. Really, we all need to, you know, meet up and talk it out. And you know, everyone has to be truthful. Like Anakin needs to just come out clean. And yeah, but it. But you don't have time for that. It's all escalating to that point. So it's it's super tragic. It was love. I I, I loved it. Yeah, it I, tragic, like that bit, and then the you know that musical bit where they're looking at each other. But the bit where. Anakin just goes to Mace Windu. Ah, oh, yeah, you know the, um, you know the, um, the Chancellor. He's a Sith Lord, and Mace is just like, ah, oh, really? All right, go back to the office and uh, we'll, we'll we'll check. The-. Like it, it, he just takes it on so casually that that mm-hmm. major like, like this is the biggest bit of information Mace Windu will ever be told. Right. <laughs> And it's so casual. It's so nonchalant. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like, hey, we want to train this little bowl hut cutted kid to be a Jedi, and he's like so like, oh, mm, got to think about this. Hey, you mm-hmm. know the leader of the galaxy is like evil. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna grab three mates. We'll check this out. It's <laughs> very bizarre. Um, oh my god, all the Jedi dying paired with the music and Yoda feeling it happen. Cry face, cry face, cry face. That is, um, it is sad. Very, very sad. Also exciting because you get to see all these other planets. And then it's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, Felucia. And then it's like, dead. Bummer. But uh, this one's very interesting. My, how you've changed, Hammy. Oh my <laughs> God, Anakin killing the kitties. So bad, but so good. Love it. My love for the kids was short-lived. It was exactly one movie later where I was like, yeah, Anakin, kill him. No, I just, I mean, I think we all have that dark side in us, right? Not that we want, nobody wants to kill kids, but that at that point, you know it's going to happen and you're just there for the ride of seeing this person fall. It's horrible, it's tragic, and it, um, but there's a reason everybody likes the dark side a little bit. Yeah, I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm such a like, just pure, like I just like all that's good. Like I, I, I you know, I, I appreciate their ships. I appreciate their role, but I'm, I was never like I never really got attracted to any of the bad guys. Like you know, people like. You know, mm-hmm. love Darth Vader or like, like you know. or Maul. Maul. A lot. A lot of people love him, especially after Solo. Yeah. Well, you know, he was like, you know, the the face of uh, the Phantom Menace marketing and stuff. And I like him. Um, like I, like I like him in the scheme of things. And mm-hmm. you know, like that 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 shot of him igniting the double bladed lightsaber in the Naboo hangar is just like to die for. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just never. I just, yeah, I'm just looking around at all my toys now. Maybe, like, I love Snoke and I've got a little Snoke collection. Oh, yeah, I guess now there's some other, but I sort of love him for other reasons, mm-hmm. for, for my silly little sticker and, and I guess, yeah. <laughs> and I love Krennic. I've got Krennic stuff, but that's sort of more of a, a Ben Mendelssohn sort of thing. But, yeah, when I never really... um gravitated towards like the, the dark bad. side yeah That's good. <laughs> I, I liked Jabba because I just thought it was crazy mm-hmm. 
But um, yeah, I never really got into, um, I kept my baddies at arm's length, you know? Yeah. And I, then, I mean, I think it's probably just personal preference. I'm sure, I mean, from what I've seen, it seems like a lot of fans do like the dark side. I mean, I still love the good side. I want the good side to win at the end. So it's, it's probably a mixed bag for me of which characters I like more. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely like, you know, nothing wrong with, you know, getting into those characters and, but I just, I think I'm just such a, I'm such a sucker for the hero. I'm just mm-hmm. such a sucker. Now you've got a uh, Padme is going through some stuff here and then there's, <laughs> censored C-3PO saying he's finally getting the hang of this whole flying thing. Can't wait for him to be dismembered again. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and then you've got, oh, my, fighting in the Senate room. I mean, way to be very literally destroying the Republic lol. Yoda without his Jedi robe. That is a very, um, yeah, the metaphor is is not hidden in that bit. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, oh, my God, the exhale when Vader gets his mask. When that thing just seals and the first mm-hmm. bit of uh, air comes out, that is amazing. It's a beautiful shot. I, I love Revenge of the Sith. It's so good. Like the end of Revenge of the Sith always seems like very rushed to me as they try to fill in, in you know, I don't know how long it takes, 10 to 5 minutes of this person's here now. This person's here now. Memory mm-hmm. wipe. This is here. Did, did you find that or not so much? Um, no, I think I guess I thought it was the end of the the movie. So it was it, – I didn't feel that. I didn't feel the pacing or anything like that, I don't think. It is very quick though. But I, I guess I kind of – it's not really specifically um, – like it's not like it's separated from it's not like it's an epilogue or something like that it didn't feel that way to me but it felt kind of just like bullet points i understand what you mean but mm. i guess yeah it didn't bother me too much when i was watching it for the first time at least okay yeah revenge of the sith equals favorite the main reason i love return of the jedi was because luke finally had a handle on his powers and then had to deal with the temptation of the dark side but this is giving me way more dark side now I have more questions. At the start of A New Hope, how did Leah know to send the Death Star plans to Obi-Wan? Was she getting the plans on her own or did her dad give them to her to get to Obi-Wan? They need to make a film to cover this, Hammy. Yeah, I wish they did. It would be so helpful <laughs> for new fans like me coming into it. <laughs> I think I saw someone, I can't remember who tweeted it, but somebody tweeted, um, uh, this is me asking for literally every single Star Wars movie. Because I think the joke is that fans are always like, oh, we don't want this Star Wars movie. But there's always going to be somebody who wants it. So clearly, clearly I needed Rogue One. <laughs> Very true. Uh, like you said, I want to rewatch in episodic order now. And we can talk about this tomorrow. Have you gone back to watch in the storyline order? Yeah. So, um, so yes, I've watched it episodically one more time. Um, so I think I've seen everything two or three times, um, probably. Um, but yeah, I went back and saw it episodically. And then this year before I finish, you know, before we get to episode nine, I'd like to do everything, um, with the books included in between everything. So we'll see how that goes. That's a lot to do, but yeah, I'd like to do everything, um, in episodic order. That's quite an assignment to do the books in the middle as well. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, the force awakens now, 
how did you find, you know, we talked about that you didn't sort of find much of a, a visual difference between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy. What about The Force Awakens? How did that that fit in with, um, you know, there was a big move back to practical effects mm-hmm. that, um, you know, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith had lots of. I think maybe, I think like Attack of the Clones, which which actually love that movie it's got so many great moments but it does i think rely on cgi a bit too heavily more than any other film but how did you find that the the visual how that the force awakens fit in with the rest of the films that you'd already watched um i i think i was mostly just excited to get caught up so (laughs) i think i wasn't really you know noticing that, oh, hey, we're going back to the original trilogy way of filming, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I think the the story and the characters are where usually most of my interest lies. So to me, whether they're using CGI, whether they're using practical effects, that's a creator's choice, right, to tell the story that they want to tell us. Um, so it didn't, it didn't feel like, oh, finally, you know, I know some fans are like, oh, thank God we're going back to practical effects. But that definitely, you know, it didn't occur to me while I was watching The Force Awakens. I did, you know, realize, oh, it's a beautiful film, but I assumed it was just because it came out more recently um, that it had the good balance of, you know, with the space battles and then also, um, you know, the practical effects. Yeah. I was more, I'm just glad they're not going to CGI everything in for the sake of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely understand because there is a, I mean, I guess a, a fan like me who loves everything would say, Oh, well the prequels, you know, they had this kind of sanitary look to them, but that was good for that time period. Like it fit even in Canon, that everything was so shiny and beautiful and then it all just comes crashing down. And it's cool that in the original trilogy you have everything's kind of worn and um, old looking kind of. So it, it, yeah, to me, it, I guess it, that's probably me being me being just a loyal fan, but I, I kind of am okay with it in the prequels now too. But I, I definitely understand why some people who um, would, would not enjoy that, would not enjoy all the CGI in the prequels. Yeah, well, I'm... I've said this more than a few times, but it's just those those CGI clones. Just <laughs> you know, in 1976, they they made some plastic suits, put some dudes in yeah. them, filmed it, looks sweet. So mm-hmm. why why you had to um and in in the commentary, like George Lucas brags about it because you know he's he's right, so right. he's so into the technology. So he's like, hey, mm-hmm. we didn't have a single clone trooper outfit on set, and it's like, why not? What, like, what does yeah. that, what, what, what does that, it just makes it hard. You're making life hard for everyone. Mm-hmm. I, it's cool that in the new movies, they can kind of find that balance between what needs to be CGI and then actually doing practical effects. So I definitely appreciate it. It feels a lot more tactile. Oh yeah. And even like there are CGI troopers in The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. but they just blend in so well. Right, right. Now, um, The Force Awakens, I gave most of my thoughts on The Force Awakens in person, but I was immediately sucked in and intrigued by the sequel trilogy. Your first text is, I actually didn't mind Hans. I love that you're sticking with (laughs) that. I was being silly. (laughs) I I think it's great. It's, it's, It's trolling at its best. Hans and Leia as much in The Force Awakens. I think I have fake nostalgia from the prequel. (laughs) (laughs) I can't, I You've can't got CGI nostalgia. 
Yeah. No, no, no. I meant that um, the because I had seen the prequels. So it was like I wanted to get back to Han and Leia. So it was like I had nostalgia for them um, ah. because I had three movies without them. So I was so happy to like see them again. Um, and I, I think afterwards, after I finished all of the movies, I joked with my friends, you know, for the next couple months, I was like, you know, as a Star Wars fan for the past two months, I have these thoughts. So I just kind of have this like nostalgia that probably is fake for the original trilogy also when I go back and watch the sequel trilogy. Here's a good text. Also, I'm trying to be chill and not ship Kylo and Ray too hard. Crying, smiley face. So you are uh, a Raylo, Hammy. Oh, you, I was wondering when you would out me, Steel. <laughs> 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 and not, not just, you know, a Last Jedi Raylo. I was a Force Awakens Raylo. <laughs> yeah, uh... I am a Raylo. I am. But I, I should say the main thing about all Raylos that you, everyone should understand is the first thing we want is for um, Ben Solo to be redeemed. So I would probably say I'm more of a Ben Solo redemption person and then um, and then a Raylo second. But I think that's the case for most of us. So, a so yeah, I. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't have many. That, that was it for your thoughts on The Force Awakens. Yeah, it was really quick. I think I. um I pretty much just um, had, saw that. And then the next morning I went to see The Last Jedi. So I walked straight into it. I think the only things I, I turned to my friend before we went into the theater and I said, okay, I don't really care about Snoke. I want more stuff with Rey and Kylo and I want, um, you know, Rey to be nobody. I think after so many connections, you know, things you had to know in the prequels um, and then, you know, the the Luke and Leia twin twist. That was me. I think I was just ready for something different. And so those were the things that I, I wanted. I wanted something different when I went into the last Jedi. So I think that's why, um, with the force awakens, it was like a good transition for me to, um, to kind of get reacquainted with everyone, you know, re- get reacquainted with Han, Leia, Luke, you know, at the very end and all of that. And then, um, going into the last Jedi, I was like, okay, let's do something different with this trilogy. And apparently, I don't know if you've heard, but a lot of people don't like that. <laughs> I've, I've, I've heard some mixed results. It, it's yeah. interesting that why, because you, you, you know you watched them all in a row like that, and and your thing going into the last Jedi was like, I don't really care about Snoke. I want to find out about Ray and Kylo, mm-hmm. and the film catered to you perfectly. Yeah. And again, my friend didn't spoil me. She had seen The Last Jedi already. Um, and she obviously knew about the discourse. I think it was, pro- you can probably speak to it better, but I think the discourse was probably pretty soon after. Um, I-, I went to see it maybe two or three weeks after it had already been out. Yeah. I think, you know, people saying they liked it or they didn't like it, but it wasn't um, as like weaponized now where it's, right, right. it's tied in with, you know, all sorts of real world opinions Mm -hmm. and um, political views and stuff like that. Now um, I'm interested. It was, I'll tell you my story, Hammy, that Mm -hmm. I went to see the force awakens. It was the, the, the best month of my life. One of the best months of my life. I have to, I have to actually reevaluate that now because I now got a little boy and, <laughs> but, you know, I got married, I interviewed Harrison Ford and I, I went to a, a, like there was a Star Wars festival on the steps of the Sydney Opera House. It was, it was just sort of like, I felt like Star Wars fans were kind of getting rewarded for their 
you know, their passion and, and mm-hmm. their um, dedication that, you know, we got – it was like this worldwide phenomenon. Every time you switched on, like, you know, you went online or watched the news, there was – you know, there was stormtroopers parading on the Great Wall of China. Like they, they just pulled out all the stops <laughs> to do all these, like, you know, really cool events to, to celebrate Star Wars. I was in LA, you know, the month of, and there was this big art show on um, Melrose Avenue with all these famous artists doing interpretations of Star Wars art. It was, it was just like an amazing time. I remember even flying back to Australia and seeing like the airport, like, in the news agents at the airport or the the bookstore, whatever you want to call it, you know, the massive display at the front was just Star Wars stuff. You know, Time Magazine, Star Wars cover. It was right. It was just the best month. Like I, I'm getting a little bit choked up just thinking about how good it was, and oh. it ended all this build up and and where's Luke Skywalker which is something that mm-hmm. you know you didn't get to um live through the whole like why is Luke Skywalker not on the poster where's my Luke Skywalker action figure when is Luke Skywalker oh, going to be in this film okay okay yeah and then he's revealed at the end Luke Skywalker being my favorite character and I'm like finally they found him and then as the camera began to pan around and the music began to surge and I sort of had a feeling this was the end of the film and I started oh, still <laughs> and I, but then I started thinking about the ends of all the other Star Wars films and I'm like no one seems to talk in the last few minutes of a Star Wars film it's all just things that are happening mm-hmm. and then it hit me I was like he's not gonna talk they're going to end the film without him on, talking. On literally, on a literal cliffhanger, yes. <laughs> Cuts to black. And I had to do two things. I had to run down the stairs because we were about to start a live podcast in the bar next door. But in my head, I swore to myself and just went, they did it. I can't believe what they've done. And I instantly thought, okay, I don't. I don't get to know what he says for two years. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You got to speak that process up. Up up until right then, I was so jealous of your experience with The Force Awakens. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because you got to, I can't wait to experience it that way with episode nine, you know, the buildup with everybody and all that. I was so jealous as you were telling this story. But the minute you got to Luke, I was like, oh no, I'm not jealous anymore that I got to see it the next morning. So you got to do it. If it was the next morning. It wasn't even 24 hours. It was under no, 24 I, hours. Yeah, I think my last text about um, Ray and Kylo was at 8.30. And then I went to see the 11 a.m. showing of The Last Jedi the next day. What did you think about in that time period? Of like, um, were, you, were you pondering what Luke was going to do? No, I don't think, I I don't think I was, um, sorry, this probably sounds dumb to everybody listening, but I don't think I was really worried about it. Um, I just thought it would, at first, you know, I was hoping for something different with the last Jedi and I thought, okay, maybe it would be that, you know, I think maybe probably everybody was expecting, you know, him to train her, um, you know. Uh, that's all I was thinking about was like, okay, now they're together. I didn't see now you, everyone looks back on it and you see this kind of that look that he has at the end of the force awakens and he doesn't look happy. He doesn't look, you know, pleased to be found. 
Um, but at that time I, do, I didn't feel that I was like, okay, cool. We're going to go to the next adventure. He's, and maybe, I guess that's what everybody thought too, that he's going to come and save the day. And I, I thought, okay, him and Ray are going to do this. We're going to figure out Kylo and, you know, we'll take it on, but, um, we'll take on Snoke or whatever. Um, but no, I did, I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't full of speculation going into the last Jedi about Luke. I was excited to see him again since he was my favorite character also. A lot of people, you know, that had the two years and then had their, you know, childhoods with Luke Skywalker and stuff. <laughs> they found the the saber toss jarring. How did you find that just having, you know, you know, a dozen or so hours between uh, watching the the uh, very taunting end of the film to seeing <laughs> the start of uh, The Last Jedi? How did that, how did, like, did that match up for you or... I will also out myself and say that I love Ryan Johnson. So I will say I, I feel like it was on purpose to make all of us a little bit uncomfortable. Um, it's not what I was expecting. I was surprised. I remember, I think I literally gasped when he did it. I was like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? And I, I turned him. And so this is the friend I'd been texting, right? So this whole time I'd, we'd just been texting. She's not from here. So we were texting long distance. And then she was in home for, you know, Christmas or whatever. So we went and saw The Last Jedi. And so this was her watching with me, you know, in person, her knowing everything that happens and her kind of just looking at me. And so I think I gasped out loud when he um, threw the saber. But then I immediately knew, okay, something else is happening then if he's not teaching Ray right away. Um and not to, I don't want to talk too much about Rayla because I know it's, um, you know, it's a hot button point for a lot of people. But the reason I think I connected so quickly to Ray and to Kylo um, and them together and hopefully, you know, whatever, figuring out whatever happens in the, in the galaxy in episode nine, I think it's a story that a lot of women have can kind of see and recognize for themselves. Um, it's a different take on the hero's journey. Um, Ray's heroine's journey fits all of this that you would have the master who doesn't want to teach you. Um, and that she has to kind of confront this, um, like her dark side is much more of an emotional journey than a physical training journey. Um, so all of that, I think I kind of connected and saw right away with the force awakens. So when Luke threw the saber, I knew, okay, something different is going to be happening with Ray. He's not going to be happily teaching her. That's interesting. I'm not sure if I'm understanding what you implied correctly or not, but do you think like part of the heroine's journey is like as a woman, Hey, I'm here to do this. And then the man goes, nah, you're not doing it. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I wouldn't connect it to that, like to our modern day sentiment of it. But, um, and, and there, um, you know, there are amazing, um, if you, if anyone just goes on YouTube, um, Wit and Folly has a great one, um, Ray and the heroine's journey. Um, and you'll see point by point, the same way Luke went through the hero's journey, mm -hmm. um, uh, female characters go through the heroine's journey and it's very different. It's uh, much more internal. It's a struggle about being, um, having everything inside you. When, when Ray says uh, there was this thing inside me and it was awake, it, I don't know. There were so many moments in The Last Jedi that I just like connected with immediately and I knew what she was talking about. And so it's this internal struggle that happens. It's not like a physical one outside. Um, so that's why I think I... So when he rejects teaching her, um, that's part of the... That's one of the steps in the heroine's journey that she has to overcome struggles um, with the outside world. Um, and Luke, I think it's really crazy if you go back and see, um, I don't know how familiar you are, you are with, um, 
what Raylos have been saying since The Force Awakens. Um, but if you go back and see what their interpretations of everything in The Force Awakens was, um, it was going through that journey. And it was the idea that Luke would be this father figure to Rey. Um, the father, but in the way that the father figure would deny her the ability, not the ability to learn, but they, he would end up denying her things and what she would want. And so she would have to overcome that. That would be her struggle. Mm. Um, so it's, I'd really recommend it. Um, if I know a lot of people aren't happy, not a lot of people, but it seems pretty split about. And so if you're really curious, there's Raylos are doing a lot of good learning and work um, explaining the themes and what they're trying to do. And I hope, and I hope it comes to fruition in episode nine. Um, uh, but it's something to think about that, that Luke is, um, you can see, um, I think everybody had a bingo card. Um, they made bing Raylo bingo cards for the last Jedi. And one of the spots is um, Luke isn't going to teach Ray. He's not going to want to teach her. Um, and that, yeah. So it's kind of crazy to like go back and see all that stuff. Yeah, but when you think about the whole um, Star Wars saga, it's not that unexpected. Right. Because when and did anyone that's... want to teach anyone? It seems no, like to exactly. be like all these movies like, oh, nah, dude, I, I don't want to. You just rocked up at my planet or you, you know, you, you, you're here mm -hmm. in our temple with your bowl cut. I don't want to teach right. you. Like it, no one it, wants to teach anyone. They're reluctant <laughs> teachers. <laughs> no, it, it, yeah, I did. I did admit, immediately connect back to you know Yoda and not wanting to teach, and then and then of course, and it's great because Yoda comes back in the Last Jedi and says, "Hey, Luke, we gotta learn, man. <laughs> we gotta learn. You know, I know I treated you that way, but we gotta we gotta learn and you know save the day." So yeah, it's cool. it's it's interesting that you know, like a lot of people, like you know, Ryan didn't he doesn't understand Star Wars or he, he didn't follow on from the Force Awakens, but when you know. Like a lot of the stuff like perfectly fits with Star Wars, you know, if you want to think about it that way. So watching all the films that close together, were, were there certain films that you thought were like didn't connect, didn't follow on or didn't match up more than others or it all sort of like pretty seamlessly, you know, without getting a microscope out, like connect up? because I literally didn't have the time to sit there and, you know, nitpick and um, take a microscope to it. Um, I was kind of just absorbing the content as I was getting it. So it all connected to me. Um, the themes felt pretty universal across all of them. Um, that's what I enjoyed the most out of Star Wars. Um, I know, I know, I know I love space battles and lightsabers too, but, but the themes of, you know, love, redemption, all that, it kind of felt the same to me through all three of the trilogies. What was it like to finally go to a cinema, not text through a movie and right. watch a Star Wars film? It was awesome. I, I walked out of it saying that was my favorite Star Wars movie and maybe it's biased because it was in the theater, <laughs> but and no, I, I do. I haven't been talking about the last Jedi for the past year for no reason. So it was awesome. It was, it was everything I would want it to be. And I would hope every Star Wars experience would be for everyone else too. It was really cool. It was great to see it on um, an even bigger screen, you know, <laughs> um, all of the space battles and everything. It was just great. It was amazing. And I was, I was kind of in awe about how well, how beautiful everything was. It was great. Oh yeah. Cause we should point out that you watched all the other films on your iPhone. 
<laughs> I did. I did. And and not, and let me tell you, it was the iPhone 5. So it was <laughs> the smallest screen possible. No. Yeah. I'm just reading here on your Twitter thing. You went and saw The Last Jedi 14 times in theaters. So you're trying to repay Lucasfilm for all the, the films you just watched streaming. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to repay Lucasfilm and all the fans for all the jokes I made about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what took over. I guess everybody had that moment where they were just so in love with Star Wars. So I, it, I think I just connected with everything that Ryan was trying to say in the movie. I, I got, I wanted something. I wanted it to move forward from what I had just seen. And that's how I felt it was. We got to the end of Return of the Jedi with The Last Jedi. And going forward, we don't know what's going to happen. We had the throne room scene, you know? It's already, that part's over. So what comes next? What ends the cycle of this battle in space, you know? Um, so I was so intrigued by it. And I, um, you know, I, I've been tweeting about The Last Jedi for a an entire year and that's not for no reason there's so much to dig into and i i totally understand it's weird because um you know my friend she was okay with the last jedi a lot of my other friends um hated it you know it was it was hard becoming a new star wars fan and going to them and saying hey i just saw the latest movie actually in the theater and then for them to be like yeah i didn't like that one i didn't like it that much or i hated it or you know all of that it was it was really rough it was a rough time and so i think that's why i turned to the internet and to you, Steel, to your podcast and others. And um, it was uh, it was really hard, actually, liking it so much. I'm wondering, because you said when I reached out to you to do the podcast and, you know, you said you'd listened to the podcast before and maybe one of the first ones of mine you listened to was my in-car Last Jedi reaction with mm -hmm. my wife, Jackie. Will you sort of like get a grip of yourself, dude, when you've just watched all these films in one week and then you listen to me driving to the airport in tears over a character oh. dying? Like, could you see where I was coming from at that time or were you just like, wow, this guy's got some issues that he needs to sort out? Oh, no, I, I never for a moment thought that. I never would deny somebody their feelings that way. So I would, you know, because I feel just as passionately about things. So, no, no, it was, it was, um, it was, I felt so bad that, because um, now afterwards, I kind of saw that you had done, you know, light the green and all that. And I was like, oh no, this poor guy. <laughs> he had like, you know, he was hoping for the green lightsaber and it didn't happen, but you were so gracious. I think a couple months later, um, somebody had brought it up on your podcast. Um, oh, you know, the, the green lightsaber didn't happen, but you were, you were so gracious and positive about it. Like, hey, things didn't go my way, but I'm, you know, moving forward and moving on. And so it was, it was okay. It was good for me to find fans who felt that way. Um, even if they didn't like everything. Yeah, I, I sort of also put it down to my lack of imagination because I was sort of like, I wanted Luke Skywalker to be a hero again. Well, he just has to do the Sarlacc barge. You know, he has to do, if he just does that again, like that's that's how I imagined it was. He does, he runs in with his lightsaber and saves everyone and that's it. So he's sort of, you know, to Ryan's credit, sort of showed me a, another way for him to be a hero. And I love, I mean, everyone's going to get tired of me saying how much I love Flash, but it, that moment when Luke walks out um, onto crate and the music swells, I think it's the spark in the soundtrack that mm -hmm. plays. I get chills every time that is to me. He's my favorite character from the original trilogy. And to me, that's him walking out there. He chose to do the same thing that he did in return of the Jedi, which was to 
not physically fight, but to make a bigger statement to the galaxy and hopefully to the fandom too. So it, I don't know. I just really love, I, I couldn't, now I would not want him to be there now that I've seen this other way of him showing people the might of Luke Skywalker. I mean, that's the greatest thing any force users ever done is to project themselves in front of an entire army. I mean, I mean, I guess what what did you think when um, the ATATs were firing on Luke? Were you worried? No, I, I was like I because like I didn't think that a bunch of eight like I didn't think that's how they kill him. So I sort of had <laughs> the, like imagine that if he just walked out in front of him with all that music, they just that's shot him. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. Oh no. I was horrible. <laughs> I was so it was so intense for me because my desire to know what was going to happen like I I was just so just staring at the screen just like what happens now? What happens now? What happens next? What happens next? Why is why did that just happen? Like why why is he just standing there? Like and then when the lightsaber went through his chest, I was just yeah. baffled. And then, you know, when they had the reveal that he was, um, you know, floating above his little rock back on uh, Acto, I was, yeah, it was, like, I see GIFs of Luke Skywalker walking out, you know, to face the First Order, and right. th- those GIFs are heavy for me. To, like, I choke up just, like, going, like, it was such a powerful scene that mm. it just means so much to me. It was amazing. It didn't happen how I thought it was going to happen, and it probably shouldn't, because right. that's like, why do we get people to write the films if it's just going to happen exactly the way we see it? Mm-hmm. No, exactly, and it has to build towards something different. Um, it's speaking to the next generation of Star Wars fans, me being one of them, right? Even though I'm, I'm not the same age as the five-year-olds and six-year-olds who are sitting in the theater. But, you know, it speaks to me about some, about moving forward and becoming something else. And I don't know, it, it has to change, you know, what came before it. So it, it I don't know. But then in the, at the same time, it doesn't feel to me like it was denying everything that came before it. Um, I know a lot of people felt that way, but I... I didn't feel that way at all. Um, maybe because I love the force so much that I think if the force hadn't been in star Wars, I probably wouldn't have loved it as much as I would have. Oh, um, yeah, no way. But yeah, right. Right. And I know that sounds obvious to say, but it, it, you know, that spiritual connection on top of all this, you know, political empire turmoils that's happening. It's really cool to how it is in the real world, right? You have real politics happening, but then, each of us has our own morality and our belief in something. So you have to kind of balance both of those of doing the right thing and all that. So, so to me, those themes I felt like were reinforced by the last Jedi too. Um, I don't know. I'm probably just babbling, but. (laughs) Hey, we're both just babbling. Don't worry about that. It's that's, that's the art of podcasting, (laughs) but I do have to disagree with you finally. Oh, yay. Do it. (laughs) Drag me steal. (laughs) It's not what you think. This is not going to end the way you think. When you said it spoke to a new generation of Star Wars fans, I, I don't think that's apt. I think it, it just spoke to Star Wars fans about how things will go on. Like, I don't think that ending was catered 
for like new fans or whatever. It was just, yeah. yeah. One of the really interesting things about how Ryan did the middle film was, and, and, and this is just about like how I was saying, like if it goes exactly the way you think, what's the point of even making the film or whatever, but with Snoke out of the way and with Luke Skywalker's physical form out of the way, two things that probably you'd presume like at the end of the force awakens, I probably would have said, oh, well, in episode nine, Luke dies and Snoke dies. But they did it one episode earlier, which just opens the door to explore so many other things. Like Kylo being, you know, rather than being subservient to Snoke the way Darth Vader was to Palpatine, now we've got a different dynamic with you know the 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 lead um villain in as far as like the movie star um lead he's now the head and then right. and then you've got ray who's like not like under luke skywalker's wing is you know like i i think that opens up a lot like i just honestly have no idea what's going to happen and you know whether Raylo comes true or Ben Demption comes true and 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 when I say like there's obviously there's some there is like a a Raylo connection whether it's just your interpretation of it but they are you know connected and whether you see that as a romantic connection or not it's it's um I I, I don't know I sort of like it that it's you know two sort of lost kids connecting each other in that they're both lost and like, they're both lost in their own unique way it's yeah they they contrast so well because ray is from nothing right she's i mean i hope i hope we're oh gosh i hope we're still not talking about her parents but (laughs) uh for the next year but i i like that that contrast between them that kylo has everything kylo has the legacy he's the skywalker he's the one who's supreme leader now that's crazy to me and he he has it all and then he's contrasted with our hero who is coming from nowhere and is coming from nothing. It's it's just really cool, the whole concept of it. I know the the romantic sense is separate. I think a lot of people kind of stereotype what um, a lot of Raylos are theorizing and all of that. Um, the ra- romance, I mean, it would be, you know, icing on the cake. That's cool. But a lot of the basis of it is that they're connected in some way and that their fates are connected in some way. So to if Ray didn't kill, Ray had the chance to kill Kylo when he was unconscious at the end of The Last Jedi. So if she didn't kill him then, what what could possibly happen in the next movie? Like, why would she suddenly want to do that? Mm. And I mean, she leaves, um, sorry, not to nerd out totally, but in the novelization, you know, she says um, her mistake had been thinking that Kylo's turn would be easy. And I think maybe Raylos thought that too. We thought, um, I didn't think this at the time, but I think a lot of people thought that he would turn in the second movie um, and that they would both take on Snoke. I think it, I think Snoke surprised everybody. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy it happened. But, it's, uh, you know, I think they thought um, Kylo would turn early on. But it's even crazier that he'll have the entire might of the galaxy. And I hope he'll have to get, he'll give it up. Ooh, that some... he'll have the power that Anakin wanted and he'll give it up. I hope that, but we'll see. It's interesting because you miss, you know, like the, you know, what you're enjoying now with the lead up to episode nine, but with the way the trailer was cut and stuff, like, you know, people like, does Ray go evil? Does Ray join? Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad she didn't. Obviously I'm 
like I said, I enjoy the dark side, but I still want the heroes to win. So I'm glad she didn't stay with Kyle. That was, that's the choice. That's correct. If, you know, that was the correct choice on her part to leave. Now I'm wondering having, you know, done this somewhat experiment of, of watching all these films in uh, a week and then the experiment kind of going haywire and now you're like addicted to watching all this content. I use the word addicted loosely and in a fun, jovial way. How have you found the, the Star Wars community, which, which sometimes, you know, with all nerd properties, a um, you know, fans feel like they deserve a bit of tenure for the amount of time they've been into the fandom. How, how have you found that? I've actually been okay, but I think that's because um, a lot of new fans are coming in from the sequel trilogy. It might not be that way if you're not totally talking about the sequel trilogy every day the way I am, but um, I think there is this strong influx of new fans from the sequel trilogy. So I didn't feel that way. I never felt discriminated against or anything like that. Um, And in fact, I think even, you know, actually originally when I first started um, going on Twitter and stuff, I had, I got into a couple fights with the older Star Wars and not on purpose, but I think I was just like kind of trying to understand. And then as soon as they realized, oh, you're new, you know, whatever, then they were like, oh, because I think everybody brings all this baggage with them, you know, when they're trying to. So once they realized I was new, they were like, okay, this is why I have this perspective. And then I was able to be like, okay, well, that makes sense. Why? you would think that or why we would debate it. And it's cool. It's awesome for me to interact with new fans and old ones. Having watching them all in one week and then, you know, you sort of like the, the, the anti pot twist of, and, and as do I, that Ray did, you know, is no one. She doesn't have this crazy heritage, but seeing how all those films sort of are, are so like connected and, you know, everything's got all these like connections sometimes, you know, to, for some fans to the detriment of the story, it's a little bit too connected, but okay. um, do you think that sort of not having time to dwell on those connections and, and I guess dwell on the story as a whole made you freer because you, you didn't have those years of expectation? Yeah, I think so. Especially um, a, a couple of my coworkers are also very strongly into the EU. So I know um, that was also a big part of it, right? You want to know every little detail and how so-and-so is connected to this person and all that. Um, and so I think by the end of that, I was kind of bogged down with all of that. I was like, I just want her to be on her own and, you know, not connected in any way. So I, yeah, I was just very open to that idea. I was ready to just take in whatever they were going to give me. I think the scene where Maz talks to Ray, you know, after, um, in, at her castle. And she says, you know, whoever, whoever you're waiting for on Jakku, they're never coming back. I think I took that at face value because I'm maybe a new fan. Mm-hmm. Um, she's to me, Maz was commuting with the force at that moment, right? She says, you know, I'm no Jedi, but I, you know, I can feel the force and it's around me. And I, and so she's commuting with the force and the force doesn't lie. Then why would Maz be lying to Ray about who her parents are? So I think that's why I thought that at The Force Awakens. So then when I went to The Last Jedi and my friend was mentioning Ray's parents, I was like, oh, I don't want her. I just want them to be nobody. I don't want them to connect back to anybody. Um, so I think that maybe that's why I was able to like kind of just take in what they were giving me without any notion of theories or anything like that. So, Yeah, I like it not only because it's the opposite of what's already happened, but I, I think it's a good message for the modern age that, I don't know, like I'm not sure inheritance is 
helping the planet much. Like <laughs> just, just, just here's all this money and wealth and power um, unearned and then you can pretend like you've worked really hard. It's uh, maybe not the best. But um, I guess I'm interested, was there anything that you encountered watching the films or being in the Star Wars fandom for a year that you just find like coming in at this time, you find super weird or goofy that Star Wars fans just from being with it so long, just accept. <laughs> um, I guess all of the quirkiness in the original trilogy, it always surprises me. And I think also the general, the general view of them, um, that they are so sacred. And I'm like, I don't know, man, I was laughing and giggling through a lot of it. <laughs> like, you know, Han Solo, his quips, all of that. It just, um, I think it's more of the general idea of all of them. Um, you know, the the asteroid monster, you know, every, every weird alien that came in, I was just kind of taking it all in. And so now it's weird. Um, it's always cool to see which characters that fans um, or which little minute detail that they remember and that they love. Cause it's cool that I'm learning about it now. Now, Hammy, Thanks so much for uh, chatting Star Wars with us and, and also your uh, contribution to Star Wars fandom. You're, you're making up for lost time, I feel like. Your, your Twitter feed is an absolute delight. What we always want to know from guests is it's just turned 2019 and, you know, the Brez. Anthony Bresnikan at EW just did an article about all the things that are coming up this year. And there's so much there's, you know, Disney direct, uh, the Mandalorian, if that comes out this year, there's the clone wars, there's like the Darth Vader virtual reality deal. There's star Wars episode nine. There's star Wars celebration. There is so much stuff going on. There's books, there's comics, there's, it's crazy. But what are you most looking forward to in star Wars in the next couple of years? Well, for the next couple of years, let me break it down. <laughs> okay, so for, for this year, obviously I'm most excited for episode nine. I am looking forward to that. I can't wait to talk to fans, to to you about it, to see everybody's theories and all that. So I can't, I really can't wait for episode nine. Um, I hope it'll be the end to the Skywalker saga. I, do, I don't know if, um, if they're being kind of silly about that and going to make more movies, but I, I, I want to see how it all ends. And I'm, I'm really excited for that. Um, I love resistance. I'm a new fan of Res- resistance though. I guess everybody is since it just started, but I love resistance. So I'm excited for those episodes to come back. I can't wait for clone wars. Um, and, um, I'm also excited about master and apprentice. I am a really big fi- fan of Qui-Gon. So I can't wait for that book. Um, and then after that, I can't wait for Ryan Johnson's trilogy. I'm excited to see where he takes us and what he does when he doesn't have, um, you know, when he can do whatever he wants, so. Oh, me too, me too. I just, like, not only that it's Ryan Johnson, love Ryan, but I just like the idea of, like, a clean slate. Mm-hmm. And let, let's see um, let's see what else the Star Wars universe can do, you know? I can't wait. It's going to be so – it's going to be exciting. It, it's going to be really cool. I hope um, – I can't wait. I hope I have enough time to inhale all the content. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're doing pretty good. You're doing I know, pretty good. I know. <laughs> you've, you've, you've caught up pretty fast. 
Uh, thanks again, Hammy. Now, let the good people of the internet know how they can follow your Star Wars adventures. So I'm on Twitter. My handle is Balanced Padawan. Um, come say hi. Uh, thank you, Steele, so much for having me on. I This is such an honor. After listening to you for the past year, you're so, you're so positive. Um, and so I'm so grateful that you would want me on. And I'm grateful to all your listeners for giving me a chance as a new fan. Uh, I know I probably you know, made people angry <laughs> with some of my stuff, but just know that I, I love it so much and I, I don't anticipate ever wanting to leave the universe. So <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, to be honest, I don't think that anyone that listens to this podcast got angry. Anything you said, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was all very endearing and, and quite insightful, which, uh, I really appreciate Hammy. First year of star Wars fandom. Is, is that your first star Wars podcast? I've been on the Balance podcast before. Um, right after Solo, I did a talk um, with Nettie over there. Um, and she her podcast is great. It's um, her and her little brother talking about Star Wars. Oh, and cool. he's adorable and great. Yeah, yeah, it's really cute. So she's um, she's also a Raylo, um, and she asked me to be on it. So we talked about Solo on there. So this, so, but, but this is my first, you know, um, non-Raylo podcast that I've been on. <laughs> 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 now uh well okay. until i convert you steel are you ready for me to convert you <laughs> i'm open i'm open i'm i just want to I, I don't as i said like it's a clean slate of um how the film was left and i don't have like a deep opinion on what should happen i just want to see what happens and uh I'm, I'm very i'm very excited to not have any like clear idea or like I'm, I feel free. I feel relaxed. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I am devastated that you just told me that this wasn't your first. I thought I got this big scoop, the first podcast to get hammy. But, no, um, thank you. You're so kind. We'll, we'll just have to settle for second best. And thanks for your, your, your kind words about the show. I really appreciate that. Thanks to everyone for listening. And may that force be with you. Hey you guys, thanks so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed that super fun episode talking her first year of Star Wars fandom with Hammy. I had a ball and you should definitely follow Hammy Star Wars Adventures at Balanced Padawan on Twitter. Now, this Saturday afternoon, we will be doing our live 2019 prediction show live at Geeky Tees. Burbank. This is the first time we've ever done one live. It's very exciting. And if you want to participate, there are a few different ways. The easiest way, if you're in the LA area, is to turn up live. We'll be getting live predictions from anyone in the audience that wants to do it on the podcast. So you'll be able to jump up, grab a mic and appear on the podcast and give your prediction live. We'll also be taking predictions live via Blog Talk Radio. So you'll be able to listen live and call in on 646-668-8360. And we'll be giving preference to our Patreon members. So if you are a Patreon, please leave your number on the thread that I will start today. So hit the patrons first and 
then get to the mysterious numbers later. And the final way you can contribute is by sending in your prediction. If you are on Patreon, I will set up a thread for that where everyone can post their predictions, which will give those guys a preference to reading out first. And if you are not a patron, you can email in at prediction at steelwars.com. And time permitting, we will go through all those as well. But it's going to be a super fun live show with Courtney from Who Talks First, Riley Silverman. She's a great comedian on the LA scene and a huge Star Wars fan. She's already been on the show if you want to go back and listen to her episode. And the notorious Bart Freebarn, my old comedian buddy from Melbourne, is in town. So he is going to be guesting as well. And I know a few long-time listeners will be very excited about that. And keep checking the Steel Wars feed, whether the iTunes feed or the Patreon feed, as we'll have a special prediction show wrap-up for 2018 with the four finalists. And you guys will be able to vote for who won last year's show. We'll have that up later today. Speaking of the Patreon content, every week on the Steel Wars Patreon at the $3 Content Club level, you not only get access to all the previous episodes that we've done, either Patreon or full-length interviews, but we also do at least one bonus show a week. Last week we did a listener Q&A and a very interesting episode of the Robbo Report with my buddy Robbo in New Jersey, one of my favorite opinionated Star Wars fans. And we did two hours of, of something that I think was meant to be about the Vader fan film, but it may have got a bit off track, but it's apparently fascinating listening. And we're going to do a follow-up episode to that one because it had a lot of Patreon listener feedback. So we're going to read out a bunch of that on the show that I think we're recording tonight. But if you want to support the show with uh, whatever you want, a cup of coffee a month at the $3 tier, you get a grip of bonus content that downloads direct to your podcast app of choice for just $3 a month. And thank you to all our patrons that definitely help keep the podcast going. We uh, recently had to upgrade the laptop as the old one just decided it was time. It was time. But with little Harrison here, time is increasingly more precious. So thank you to our patrons for allowing us the time to make this show every week because it is truly one of my life's true pleasures is recording this for you each and every week. Also, if you want some extra Star Wars podcast listening with myself, I am guesting all this week on one of the bestest Star Wars podcasts ever, Star Wars Minute. If you don't know, they analyze each minute of Star Wars a episode and they are on to The Force Awakens. And I'm doing a minute each day this week with those guys. And we're doing the reveal of Han Solo in The Force Awakens. Uh, a couple of minutes I am very passionate about. We actually recorded it about two weeks after Harrison was born. So I am in a delirium. 
but according to Twitter, I do make at least one concise point in the second episode. So uh, check that out, Star Wars Minute, wherever good podcasts are found. Or I'm sure where bad podcasts are found also, so check all that out. Thank you guys so, so much. I super appreciate it. Uh, Keep checking the feed for the 2018 Prediction Show final episode, a little mini ep, and hope to see or hear you guys or read out your prediction on the Prediction Show at Geeky Tees this Saturday. And may that force be with you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.